0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Vile Files Freestyle Edition. Is that what we're... Yep. All right. Great. Nailed it. Amazing. Uh, I'm Nick, your host, joined by the household, Ali, Amanda, and Derek. And our special guest today, we're very excited to have him, the one, the only, 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 only? Well, that sounded weird. Johnny (laughs) Lowe. I got nervous introducing (laughs) you. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing
1: so good right now. I have this very cute... Dog on my life. The lap. office
0: dog, Kiki.
1: Yes, Kiki is um making me feel very at home right now.
0: We are very excited to have you. um You are doing great things right now with your new hit show on Netflix, Unstable, of which you wrote and are Co-cre- acting in, co-created. Co-created. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Executive produced. I got my whole. I pull out like a scroll of titles. I'm like oh, yeah, <laughs> very whoa.
0: exciting. Also, Vanderpump super fan. And was present on Watch What Happens Live while Tom Schwartz went just Tom Schwartz.
1: Let's be real. That is my
0: biggest accomplishment. For
1: sure. You think Unstable so? is cool, but... That,
0: that's cool, but like being there...
1: Being there for Bravo History was
0: It was world. wild. I really... It, oh that, I mean, that, I immediately DM'd you and I was just like, yeah. please come on the show. You'd be
1: surprised how many... I got so many random DMs from an assortment of people, but some of them like... Very, like, large-scale public figures who were tuning in. I was like, damn, I knew this shit was history. (laughs) I knew it.
0: It was your your big moment. Well, we have (laughs) uh, a ton to get into. We have, uh, we got Love is Blind cast suing, Love is Blind Netflix Mm -hmm. and and the production company. Obviously, we're going to get into, like, some Vanderpump stuff. Some housekeeping notes before we get into it all. We got Barbara Corcoran. This Thursday on Going Deeper, that's going to be a that's a wacky episode. We've already talked to Barbara; she's a hoot and a half. Have you ever met Barbara Corcoran?
2: I
1: have not, but I'm familiar.
0: It's a good time. Wacky. You if you should, ever get you, the chance, you ever, if you ever get the chance, you should definitely meet Barbara. Really? Yeah.
2: Like, we should have had our mute our mics muted because it was just <laughs> constant. Like I, we were dying.
0: My favorite line of the episode was. Was it like, fuck that bitch? What was she
2: saying? Oh, she said, now you have to go get married so you can get revenge on that that bitch. bitch.
0: (laughs) That was her giving relationship advice. (laughs) I need to meet her. Oh, it was really great. Uh, Anyway, so she's with us on Thursday.
3: We also have an update episode for you dropping Friday. Oh, yeah,
0: on Vile Files Classic. So for all you update people who didn't want to join Vile Files Plus, there you go, it's free. For all the other people, we had that... Uh, if you listen to ask nick last monday uh our our wonderful caller who uh believes that she is a lesbian but is dating a man
3: is like living with and has kids with a man she has an mm-hmm.
0: update um spoiler alert, she was proposed to find out what happened after she was proposed to it's wild so go check it out it's on vile plus go to dot com to sign up it's it's free to sign up so if, if you yeah. don't want to pay to listen to the episode you don't have to you just just, you get 7 get days trial. you get 7 days to try it out. My so. favorite
2: thing about that update was that she said once she realized she was getting proposed to the first thing she thought about was how Nick would respond. Yeah, the <laughs> and I was like, Nick, you were part of her proposal yeah. and you yeah. weren't even there.
1: <laughs> well, she didn't propose. And these people they don't use their real names, no. do they?
0: No. they use aliases.
1: Okay. Yeah. But so it's it, but it wouldn't be that hard to piece it together if you knew them and listened to your show.
0: There are some people who 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 write in, you know, they they'll write in and they will want to like Vent and and they maybe hope that I might like read it and just like e- email them, <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, a lot of their friends also listen to the show, so they're like, ah, I'd lo- I'd love to come on, but my friends over are, are familiar with the story or they know my voice. But got it. Other than that, yeah, it's uh, it's anonymous. So. Damn. That being said, if you have a story to tell, email us at asknick at dot com. It is anonymous. If your friends listen to the show too, we can't. We're not going to change your voice. But other than that, <laughs> you're. You're fine. Clearly, her her boyfriend doesn't listen because yeah, <laughs> she's she's been very giving with yeah, her story.
2: very generous, definitely. definitely, and it's
0: wild. So check it out. All right, let's uh, let's let's start to get into it. We got we have a a lawsuit for yes. for Love Is Blind.
2: So the lawsuit actually was started. A lot of these news articles came out in July of 2022, but basically, a season two contestant, Jeremy Hartwell, uh, sued the team behind the Netflix reality TV show by claiming that producers deprived the cast of food, water and sleep and plied them with alcohol. Um and I think it got a little bit more buzz because recently Danielle who got married on the show talked about it as well. Um and she said this says Danielle who got married to Nick Thompson during season 2 of the show said that she underwent a psychological screening before filming, however she confessed that she felt like she shouldn't have passed the screening. So she felt like they were just doing it to kind of check a box Interesting, and that yeah. she apparently really was not doing well during filming. She tried to express that to production uh, by saying, you know, I, I can't be isolated right now. I, I'm really not doing well mental health wise. She went into her previous experiences and things she had struggled with in the past but it didn't feel like necessarily she was given the resources uh, to deal with those adequately during filming. So yeah, some interesting allegations being thrown Netflix's way. Yeah. Uh,
0: interesting. Uh, as someone who's been involved in these uh, worlds, I, I have strong opinions, but I'm curious, Johnny, as a fan of reality TV, yeah. when you see something like this, do you, do you love seeing the behind the scenes of it all and kind of getting the nitty gritty of what the environments are like? And when you see this type of stuff, do you get into that or are you just kind of like, it's more, I just want to watch the show. I want to see what happens and I don't really care about that behind the scenes type of stuff.
1: I think it's impossible not to get invested in to, you know, the deeper elements like you're talking about, like, I guess in layman's terms, like the tea, yeah. right? Like you always get sucked into that. But for me specifically, and I find this to be true for quite a few of my other friends who work in entertainment especially like if you're creative, if you're acting or writing, there is something, some weird sort of like button that reality TV pushes for for people and for us specifically because I watch a lot of scripted stuff, but once you've been inside of the factory that makes the product for so long, it does kind of take away from the magic a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not entirely, but reality is, you know, for the most part what is promised right it's like these crazy people are going to do crazy things on your tv and just sit back and like enjoy it's that perfect sweet spot that nexus of like entertaining and a little bit like you can like phone zone while you watch it sure and so for me it's just like i come home from a day of like work where i've been creatively activated for x amount of hours and i turn on reality tv and i'm like the best writers in show business couldn't write
0: this shit. This is crazy. Do you ever, as a writer, feel inspired by some of the stuff you see on reality TV?
1: Yes, although there's there's this interesting phenomenon, and I can't, I don't remember the name for it, but it describes this, like, human psychological concept that um, if you represent history to... Uh, this is kind of boring, but it's a little interesting. If you represent... It's not boring. John. Okay.
0: We're gonna cut that part out. Yeah, <laughs>
1: you're like, this is all getting cut. Don't
0: yeah. worry. Um... <laughs> This is the most interesting thing anyone's ever said on our show. Go. Thank you.
1: (laughs) If you represent history too accurately sometimes, like in a historical movie, the audience won't believe you that you're being accurate. So you actually have to basically make things occasionally in real life less realistic in order for it to play, Hmm. which is contrary to like what you would assume. I think the example that's used often is that whatever sort of like cultural time period like Gladiator was. They had billboards back then. They had like their like Roman version of billboards. Really? And like Ridley Scott was like, "We can't put that in. People will think we don't know what we're look doing too cheesy with history."
0: Yeah. Holy shit.
1: So, this is a long way of saying that when I watch reality TV sometimes, I want to pick and pull, but then you go, "Man, no one's going to believe this shit happens. No one's going to believe that." You wouldn't I would if someone told me and this was me attempting to explain Vanderpump and Scandival to my dad, it was really funny cuz I was like, "Okay, so there's one Tom. And he's been with this other girl who's who's on the the show regularly, Ariana. And then there there's another Tom. He's best friends with that Tom. He's dating this other girl, kind of, not really dating. <laughs> they kissed. And then the other Tom and I'm like, Are you following? He's like, No. I'm like, Great. <laughs> the other Tom is in an affair with the girl that the other Tom is kissing, and he was out. He like walked out the door. He's like, I can't. I don't understand this <laughs> shit. But the point being, like, it's so so interwoven and complicated yeah. and Machiavellian and just insane that. You can't pull that much from reality TV.
0: That was really interesting. That little fun fact. Let's go. I like a little history. I like the movie glider, and that's true. If you saw a like a their version of a billboard, you would be like, "What the fuck are they doing?" What am here? I watching? Yeah, I'm I'd like, be out. I'd be like, oh. "That's that's wild." Yeah. Anyway, so there is a lawsuit. I mean, when I see this stuff, I generally, to be honest, roll my eyes. I I will say here is what I find interesting: uh, that there are claims that they. Their contracts say that if they quit the show early, they're liable to be sued for up to fifty thousand dollars. I thought that was mm-hmm. wild
2: because they're only paid thousand dollars a week for well, what filming. they're paid. What? Is ir- yeah, so, so
0: they shouldn't be. They're not paid at all. That's the thing. When you go on The Bachelor go on Love is Blind, it's, you're, you're not an employee. You're not paid. They're pretty upfront about that. At times you can receive this stipend. I don't even know what a fucking stipend is. I, I just know no, it's, they, not they it's, not, it's not it's
2: a salary. They get $1,000 a week for filming.
0: It's not like an
2: hourly wage. It's not an hourly yeah, wage. But I'm it's saying not they, not they a, do receive monetary, which is different than Bachelor.
0: Sure. Well, they I do guess, receive but it's some not, payment. But it's not there. I know part of that lawsuit is saying they made less than like minimum wage because they took the amount of hours that they were filming divided by like what they received. And it's just like, that's not how that'll that'll get thrown out immediately.
3: Because it does break down to 714 per hour with the 20 hour days. So their point is that like if minimum wage is $15 per hour, we're making less than half of that. Nowhere near close. And we're being subjective to these crazy conditions.
0: But But here's the thing. I just I here's where I roll my eyes in general is they they all. The the contracts that these people sign lay it out pretty yeah well the the contracts they're these long ass contracts and I don't know what the Love Is Blind contract says but the Bachelor contract says we can fuck up your life and this is going to be hell on earth essentially right yeah and
1: I, I would be surprised if if these you know speaking as an employee of Netflix I would be surprised if they didn't cover their bases pretty well
0: yeah. And it's just, the problem I have is the average shelf life of a reality TV star that kind of pops and has some attention, you know, it's like 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. And it can be a very crazy experience. You go from an insane amount of attention and exposure and access, and you get invited to talk shows and podcasts. And with, you know, these shows like Love is Blind and the Bachelor, they have, you know, they're just pumping out these season and so once the next season comes out the light just kind of drastically goes away mm. and it's it's just because that's when people from previous seasons start you know coming out of the war work and start complaining and making TikToks about like how terrible it was and and say things how like they were denied access to food and water and then they were like force fed alcohol <laughs> and in reality it's just like these days take long to film and It's, it's not a vacation. It is not an all inclusive, all you can eat vacation, which I think a lot of people who sign up for these shows kind of think. And there are times where they might be like, yeah, we need to get this done. like foods served later on. Yeah. Just the timing of it all. It's just, it's just like once the light starts dimming down, that's when they start complaining about the environment that they were in. And yet you never hear about it when they're getting all the attention, when they're getting the adoration and the exposure. Granted, the, there's, a, there's definitely a lot of manipulation going on in these in, in, in these worlds, but it's it's not that hard to manipulate because they all want the attention, you know? And it's just like, that's why I know last week a lot of people were mad because like, I was critical of Zach on the Love is Blind reunion because, and I didn't like look at his Instagram and apparently he posted something about his mom. I don't really care because like, listen, I just think if anyone who goes on this show and accuses someone else of being there to get famous, I just roll my eyes. They're all there for attention. You didn't show up for a show and not want attention. It, it, they literally call it an experiment. And I just think it's just a little bit, I don't know, eye-rolly. To I, like, I love that
1: take.
4: Yeah.
0: I love that take.
1: I agree. And I also think there shouldn't be as much shame around it. Or like, I wish we could just accept that in a way as people who watch reality TV, like it does feel like there's a certain expectation for the people to uh, project this, this, you know, notion where it's like, I was there 100% authentically. And my take is like, yeah, part of that authenticity is saying like, it was interesting to me to be on camera i come from this background and i would otherwise never have had this opportunity and yeah i you know some of this stuff was because of the circumstances because that's realistically as a
0: viewer you understand that you'd be insane to go on any of these shows just for
1: love insane truly insane that's that's the bottom line insane
0: if you're not doing it open to love fine but like who would do any of this if like you didn't think there was a chance you could get followers and attention and maybe yes. make a career off of social media, and that's why when Zach is out there, like he did the same thing to Irina that he criticized Micah of doing to Paul, and it's just like I love Zach, but he still, you know, plugged his Instagram regardless of if it was to do something sweet again. Like it's you, you don't get to accuse someone else of being there for Faye when you're all there and turn off your Instagram if you. You don't get to accuse someone of being there for fame if you have social media active and you're posting. That's it. I love that. If you're off the grid social media, if you have no social media follower, accuse away. But (laughs) if you are out there making TikToks and plugging your Instagram, and I don't care if it's for good. I don't care if it's you have all these foundations and you're giving all the money away. You still like the attention. Because a lot of people do fundraisers because it makes them feel good about themselves. Like, and I'm not here to judge. Pop off and get your bag. But like, stop being so fucking self righteous when it serves you the best. And it's just like, listen, the uh, the, the the lawsuit. I will like the fifty thousand dollar to quit. I think is weird and interesting. I do think this blanket statement. If you know, because when you when you go on The Bachelor, the psych test they take. I mean, I swear it's like this. I don't know, hundreds of questions and like every other question is around like suicide, mm-hmm. you know, trigger warning and you're taking it and you're just like, it's like, have you ever thought about suicide? Would you, con- did, did you ever consider suicide? You know, it's just like scenario. Like if, let's say you're, you're super hungry, you're about to order your favorite, you go to your favorite restaurant to order your favorite dinner and they don't have it. Would you kill yourself? And you're just like, I know they answer a lot of questions about suicide. So obviously these are intense atmospheres they are psychological warfare that is true and i don't think i mean blanket statement i think it's crazy for any of these production companies to cast someone who has ever said that they thought about or considered suicide i mean i i would i would take that stand if if anyone is has come forward and said hey i I once was suicidal i struggled with like some pretty dark mental health i don't think they're fit for reality tv but Anyone else who goes on there, I just think these are tough atmospheres, and then there's just a lot of complaining when when the producers move on to next season, and they stop taking calls, and they stop giving the attention to the previous cast. They feel slighted, they feel used, and I get it to a certain extent, but it goes both ways, as you've heard me say before. And I just think it's a bit eye rolly when you have a bunch of cast from previous seasons about 18 months later when they're when their are star dims and the only attention they can get is to start complaining about the show. And those are the only videos that they post that go viral. I think it's just a little eye rolly. I don't know.
3: Do you think because I hear you 100 percent with the conditions, especially, you know, like Feeding them alcohol, like putting in them like in psychological isolation. So much of that contributes to the environment. And there's definitely a conversation to be had about the ethics of that. But it's like that's how the sausage is made. You like it or you don't with reality TV with payment. To me, it feels so simple to just pay people for their time. Like on film sets, if you miss a meal, a meal, it, it's like, it's there's a meal fine. Like there's all of these they're other. Not,
0: they're not. These are, for the most part, talentless people when it comes to entertainment. They are, you know, like they might have, I'm sure they have a lots of talent in other areas, (laughs) but they're not comedians or writers or actors or singers or performers. They are talentless people when it comes to entertainment. And the only thing they bring to the table is their willingness to just be their truest self on camera. They go on these shows and they get this attention and that, you know, their, their audience is like, you're amazing. You're so funny. And they, they start drinking the Kool-Aid. And then they expect agents and managers to come out of the woodwork and they expect all these opportunities and brand deals. And it's a super competitive environment. And when it doesn't play out the way they expect, they get mad and frustrated and they start pointing fingers as to why things didn't work out the way they expected or they thought they should. But so many of these people aren't willing to do the work. They don't go and start taking acting classes and and when they start taking acting classes, they realize that that could be a four or five year process or six or seven year process as opposed to like, oh, I took one class. And I'm expecting to get booked for gigs and jobs. There's there's that mindset with so many of these people. Is
1: that a common thing, a theme you've noticed? Like they want to go be um, like, I guess, on camera more.
0: Sure. I mean, like when you go on these shows, right, you get this this immediate notoriety. Yeah. You get this following and and i felt that too it's just like you're like you want to do something with it you're like well what should i do you have every one of your siblings and friends from back home are all like throwing you all these ideas of what you should be able to do now right and then you can kind of drink their kool-aid and then you know but are they willing to do the work many of them are not willing to do the work and when the again when the tension starts going away They get super frustrated. And then like manipulation on the show. Yes, that happens, but it's not that hard to manipulate these people because the producers know they all want to be famous. You know, they all want the attention. So all the producers usually have to say it's just like they're kind of they're literally leading the horse to water. Yeah. Who's already starving for to just want to continue on, to want to be on the show. So yeah, is there are they pressured to get married and all those things, I'm sure they do, but we're talking about adults here. We are talking about adults who don't have to get married, who who are able to make their own decisions and choices, and as someone who's been in these environments and felt manipulated, and, and these are high, intense environments, like you still had the ability to say no. Mm-hmm. You still had the ability to be like, no, nah, it's not for me. There are people who say no all the time on this show, and some people choose not to, and that's fine, but when... It doesn't work out the way you expected. It. it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be suing someone. I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm not a litigious person. I kind of roll my eyes with some of this stuff and I just think it's a little... We got to
1: change that. Something goes wrong, you just start suing. That's got to be your new move. Like, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Yeah. I don't Become
0: know. Become litigious. Yeah, uh, yeah. I should, maybe. Nah. I do a bad job
1: today. Sue me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Waiter messes your yeah, that, order that's up. That's how people are. Some of these nowadays. Yeah, it's just
1: kind of. I know. I'm not actually encouraging that.
0: Don't but. listen to me.
3: I do think you could say though, with reality TV having like grown the way it has and just like blossomed, it does feel like we are still in like the early wave of this industry. And I know like the power dynamic is very intentional, so that way they can create a show. Because if everybody gets their two cents about how the edit should be, you don't get reality TV shows. So I totally understand that part of it. You need to have one kind of like puppet master controlling narratives. But do you not think that as this industry emerges, there might be some space for correction of being like, oh, wow, these powers that be have way too much control over people. And there's like small quality of life things we could do to make this a more like dignifying. I don't need why, why
0: does it need to be dignifying? It's, you know, <laughs> they can always find someone else willing to come on. And I just think that, you know, until until they are unable to say, do you want to come on for free? Mm-hmm in the hopes that maybe you could become famous for no reason other than your own vulnerability, then until they have to do that, I don't think they should. I I believe in competition, I suppose, but yeah, I I don't think they should be pumping out these salaries to people for their willingness and wanting to go on TV. Plus, when it comes to a reality TV competition show about love and the just want to be famous kind of mantra, when you find out, well, all these people are, let's say, are making X number of dollars, it takes away the sincerity right off the bat right there.
3: That's valid.
0: Hey, I'm doing it for love, but I'm also making 50 grand to go on TV.
3: Is there not a middle ground, though, where it's like just get paid per hour? And then the same as a, as applies to like the crew of these shows. Like they're not the crew of the these crew, shows the, the are getting. Are,
0: sure, but the crew are they're union people who are working in SAG and their contract, like whether it's cameramen or, or audio people or directors, it's their job. These people, it's not their job. They got bored with their job, <laughs> whatever their job is, and decided they wanted to like do something crazy and fun and maybe travel or Get out of their comfort zone or mix it up. And that's great and that's exciting. And if they don't want to do it, someone else and 30,000 other people are in line, willing to take that spot.
3: Hearing you say union, it makes me laugh to think about if reality TV stars tried to form a union. Like, can you imagine a more eclectic and the kind of unhinged group of people yeah. to organize than like every person who's been on a reality TV show? Like, it would be crazy. I'm that-
0: sure someone's tried.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It's like I'm envisioning you guys as your own like student council and then it's like Francesca as treasurer and like Nick as president (laughs) and
0: I think it'd be poorly managed. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to saving money as a small business owner every little bit helps don't I know it especially if you are running your business via your home or your shipping products or a lot of your uh, sales happen online. Well, if that's the case, a big part of your costs are shipping costs and look to ShipStation to help you and your business. ShipStation has been helping business ship products and give excellent customer service for such a long time. I've been using ShipStation for, for four or five years now. ShipStation gives you access to discounts up to 84% off of USPS and UPS rates and you can manage every order from one simple, easy to use dashboard. When you lower your shipping costs, it makes returns easy. Your customers stay happy while you save money. It is such a wonderful application, whether you're shipping UPS, USPS, FedEx. It doesn't matter if you're selling on Etsy, eBay, Shopify. It easily integrates with so many of those platforms that you're using to operate and run your business. Manage every order from one simple dashboard. Automate routine shipping tasks. Print shipping labels. Easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize uh, every shipment and automate delivery notifications. It is so easy to use and helps you give such excellent customer service to your customers. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation and 98% of those companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Get a 60-day free trial at ShipStation.com slash V-I-A-L-L That's right. A free 60-day trial. Worry less about the bottom line when you save money with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com and use code V-I-A-L-L today and sign up for a free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com code V-I-A-L-L
3: your body is your home for your whole life. And my philosophy with it is that I want to take as good care of it as I possibly can. And so for me, I've always wanted to stretch more. I'm very tight. I have very tight hip flexors. I have like a bad lower back. And so stretching is something that is constantly on my to-do list of like, oh, I should do this, make it a part of a routine, but very hard to actually like integrate it into life. I love Castle Flex because it levels up my stretching. Like I am able to stretch specific parts of my body in ways that I couldn't with like just my own self alone. So Castleflex is like it's sort of like a wooden bar with a like pocket almost attached to it that is perfect for your heel, for your elbow. Um, And so you can use one hand typically or sometimes both are freed up to pull while whatever part of your body that you're trying to uh, stretch is carefully secured within this device. Um, It's really mindfully made and the quality, the material is so high quality. Also, what I thought was interesting is that the average return rate
2: for most brands in the health space is 28%. And this device has a less than 1% return rate.
0: Stretching has become a bigger part of my life as I get older. And Castle Flex has been really easy for me for all the things that uh, Amanda suggested. It's, it makes it so much easier to like pinpoint those like muscle groups that you are not haven't been stretching. And if you know, if chances are, if you have like a kink in your neck or a sore back or a joint pain, that there's probably a muscle that ha- needs to be stretched and worked out. So to get your CastleFlex and get your stretch on, go to CastleFlex.com, code V-I-A-L-L-10. That's Castle, C-A-S-T-L-E-F-L-E-X-X.com, code V-I-A-L-L-10, CastleFlex.com, code V-I-A-L-L-10.
1: How I'm fascinated by this, this whole conversation at large, but like your angle, because you're vocalizing a lot of things that as a viewer, I've thought about, is there a way in your eyes as someone who's done it very well, like to stay, like you said, you know, the machine churns people and content out. That is kind of like the name of the game. That's by the way, true for Scripted content, too, typically, especially a Netflix model. They want you to be the flavor of the week and yeah. then they've got something else right behind you. But I can see how it happens in reality TV more specifically. Like, you know, you're the it person on Love is Blind for however many months you reign as the most current season. And then all of a sudden, like, there's someone else and you're lost. How does, is there like a, in your eyes, like a healthy way to, like, I don't know, carry your momentum into a career or a life or something?
0: Yeah, I mean I think I think you have to be realistic first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have to realize that why you did it in the first place because usually if you have a healthy perspective when you go on these shows, it is is it, you're you're going for this crazy experience. Mm-hmm. That's the healthiest approach. To I don't know what this is going to bring me. I'm open to whatever it might bring me. But I'm going to recognize that this is most likely a temporary thing and there are no guarantees. But I'm truly going to have this crazy life experience that I will be able to have the rest of my life. I think that's the healthiest approach. And no matter what happens once you get on that show, you have to have people around you that keep you level headed. And I've always said, you've, you know, people on this show listen to the show, heard me say it a ton of times, you know, reality TV gives you incredible access and zero credibility. Mm. (laughs) You know? So, You try to use your access as much as you can, but recognize that you don't have the credibility. So going on these shows, if you want to, say, move to L.A. or New York and give it the old college try, you're probably going to get in a lot of rooms that, say, the average person who moves to L.A. wouldn't. Right. So instead of like going to those kind of cheesy casting director seminars back in the day where you'd have to like pay a bunch of money to get like low level casting directors to look at your like acting resume. Yeah. You might get a a general meeting with an executive at say NBC universal, but they want to talk to you about the show. Right. You know? And so it's just recognizing that while hoping that you might get a few minutes in that general meeting to say, do you have any advice for me? Like these are my goals. This is what I'm working on. This is the work I am doing. And you just try to make connections that way and then show that you're willing to do the work rather than being like, yeah, so I want to act. Do you have any gigs for me? Sure, you know, yeah. shit like that, that type of energy. There's a lot of luck. There's timing and it's, there's a lot of hard work. And I, I, I struggled for a while. It's like every day you wake up, you're just like, well, what the fuck do I do now? And, I've, and if you follow me on social media, I've done Bob Ross painting videos. I've done roller skating. I've, done, I've tried a bunch of fucking shit that like some people thought was funny it landed or it didn't land but it didn't really go anywhere and i always knew for me if i wanted to stay in this space i had to create something that was my own you know i had to do something that i could be sustainable without waiting for someone to call me up and be like hey we have some teeth whitener that we want you to yeah you know promote like i had to do my own thing and i i just was focused on that And, and it doesn't work out for everyone but I think there's just a level of, you know, and I empathize cause it can be very, the high of coming off that is, is, can be tragic. So yeah. you want to have a good, you know, therapist and you want to invest in your mental health. But I think people too often want to blame things not working out the way they wanted on, on other people.
1: Sure. That makes sense. I think that's a good answer. And I think that translates too, by the way, like even in the modern landscape of entertainment um f- and again like this is just my opinion but m- being you know being the arbiter of your own fate requires you to create opportunity for yourself you know i've had conversations with my dad about this and he's been acting for whatever 40 plus years and so i've you know he has a take on what it's been like to be an actor a working actor in you know four decades, and we've you know discussed this this sort of modern uh shift of like being a specifically talking about actors right now, but I'm sure you know as a writer it's different because you're 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 writing so you are actively creating, but as an actor you're typically waiting around for opportunity and then you're supposed to capture that opportunity that is it is a far less Tenable path nowadays than it was because there's so much more supply there's so many more people thinking like i'm gonna move to la they have the means and 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 especially with like tiktok and you know social media twitter reality tv there's a million different avenues to get into it in the
0: first place and you're competing with people like you know who have social media followers Mm -hmm. and some don't and you know there are people who who do get the benefit of the doubt? Because maybe they have a couple more million of followers yeah. than someone who doesn't, who's or by put the in way, less work, you know, and things like that.
1: Freaking nepo kids! Like I, I'm one of them. Like I acknowledge that. Like I, I was, you know, I'm sure my last name got me into. I'd be crazy to, access, say, yeah. to say. I, that I'm pro nepo, baby. You are. She,
0: I am. Thank you. I am.
1: I'm not. No, you, but, as
0: you shouldn't. No, kidding. But I am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I no, mean I, I could talk about this listen, at, at it, length. But.
0: I think I think listen, we all have certain levels of privileges. I think it's important to recognize yours. But listen, as far as you know, someone who who has parents who know nothing about Hollywood or anything like that, whether it's nepotism or, you know, I come from a sales background, if the first thing you do when things don't go your way is to look at how other people might have had certain advantages. I just think you're never going to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I, I just whether the, whether those are accurate criticisms or whether the advantage the, the disadvantages that you discovered are accurate, I just think there's always something we can do to elevate ourselves. There's always something that we can learn from you know someone else winning uh, a job or an opportunity, and I just think when I start thinking about you know, oh, well, they got that because of their parent or this. I'm not going to get to where I want to go. I just strongly feel that way. And so that's why when I say I'm pro nepo, baby, I just, I'm not worried about the advantages that other people have. I'm just going to figure out how I can overcome those yeah. uh, and control what I can control. I think know?
1: that I like that take. I, I do think that both takes can exist simultaneously because I, I, you know, I think that is the a very, very like, M- mentally healthy um way to approach all things is like if i worry about other people's business rather than my own it's detracting from like my progress yeah that being said i think it's still important for the frustrating part about i think nepotism um you know kids of any industry it's interesting that entertainment gets this you know magnifying glass on it when it's in every, everywhere yeah. prevalent in every single industry across the you know world but I do think that it's as simple as these people kids or adults whatever they are acknowledging it because it is frustrating sure. to me when I do meet people in similar circumstances or see other people or read about them and all they have is a staunch defense as to like how they got to where they got to I'm like that's great I want to hear your defense because it is important like I I do this I, I talk about how hard I worked in the rooms I was a PA in for three years and I got lunches and coffees and like I did that stuff. But you do still need to acknowledge it. You have to throw it out there. Otherwise, like we were talking about, it's about self-awareness and authenticity. There you go. Yeah. Like it comes down to like just don't bullshit people. I think
0: that's what it is. I think people just want to hear, say, people like yourself who might have certain access or advantages just acknowledge it and then move on rather than assume that there were no advantages. I'm assuming that say someone in your case or or other people maybe who have prominent parents i think maybe there's just a defensiveness right for sure because there's this immediate there oh you, you didn't do anything yeah. oh it's only because your dad's rob low and here you are you know like you said like you've you've done some grunt work you've done the you know getting the coffees
1: to this day the scariest job i've ever had is getting lunches for a writer's room you oh my
3: god the modifications oh it's uh, it, and, and
1: then like
0: particular people
1: and no one, re- and then no one thinks about like, how am I securing all this food in my trunk? And I, cause I got to get back in like 10 minutes. I'm taking turns, I'm taking sharp turns. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this is sliding around and this guy who replaced, you know, he's like, he wanted the brown rice on the side and the sauce and the thing, but I didn't, oh, did I screw that up? That's the most stressful job of ever That's why had.
2: door dashing is the absolute worst. Stop ordering drinks on door dash. I don't have enough cup holders. Like <laughs> I literally don't know where to put them.
0: <laughs> have just- you had to do lunch runs?
2: Well, I was worked as a door dasher during the pandemic.
0: You did? Mm-hmm. That makes me like you more.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Good for you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. oh, there's a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, like, uh, I like people who are willing to do things that you would, yeah, because so many, we, we live in a world where people think they're too, too, many good things are, you know, too good for something. I feel the same way. You know? I feel the uh, same
1: it's way, just yeah. like I have nothing but respect, like, you know, the, again, this goes back to, like, Certain elements of shame people carry around. I I feel unnecessarily like people who are like, I'm an actor, but I'm also like a waiter. I'm like, good for you. Yeah, That's awesome that you are taking the, it's what you were talking about. It's like taking initiative. If you're doing something to support, you know, a growing career you have and like you need financial support and you're out there doing anything, people should celebrate that.
0: Yeah, I'm curious what you think. As someone who's lived in LA for eight years, I, I honestly think one of the biggest Uh, how you become successful in Hollywood? I would say number one, just outlast everyone else, for sure. You know, I think that's great advice. So to that point, if you're willing to be a waiter and you're willing to do whatever it takes and work those uh odd jobs, you have you're so much far in front of everyone else because again, most people will move out here. Maybe it's their they got a couple bucks from their parents or maybe they. Saved up some money and they were willing to do a a waiter job, but they just you know got sucked into the party life or things like that, or they got a couple auditions and didn't get the job, and they got discouraged and they just kind of moved back home and they moved back home to like you know Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then people like oh so how was L.A. It's just like you know it's just like it sucks and the people suck yeah and everything sucks and I missed home and it's just like the reality is is like. Maybe they just didn't want it as bad as someone else who was willing to do that work and willing to stick around because availability more than anything, you know, all of a sudden you've been in the city for four or five years, you've done some classes, right? And then you just, the opportunity, you know, what do they say? Luck is is when preparation meets opportunity, opportunity, you know, and it's just like just being available and sticking it out. Yeah. That, that is to me is... I think it goes number one
1: hand in hand with that, but I always say, like when I talk to young people about that are seeking advice, w well, the, the the main thing I often say is make sure you love this. That's like the first checkoff yeah. for me. Always. Cause because and, and when I say this I mean the craft and when and that could that can mean whatever it is. Acting, right? writing, yeah. directing fucking producing. I don't I'm trying to picture like a 12-year-old being like, "I can't wait to be a producer." Yeah, I can't wait to yell yeah. at everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um that's the thing is it's an industry you know rife with um rejection, circumstances that are going to fill you with self-doubt, um insecurities. You're going to hear no a lot and you're going to have your ideas torn down a lot. So to walk through all of the, all of that with like a healthy head on your shoulders, you have to absolutely love doing it. And, and many people don't, and they don't know that yet. They just like it or they like what comes with it. That's the big one is like, they see the destination rather than the journey. They see like, well, I, you know, it'd be cool to be dating so-and-so and on the cover of this thing or whatever. And, and, uh, the truth is like, you only really, I mean, this isn't universally true, but for the most part, You only get there if you loved it, because like you said, that's going to allow you to outlast and outwork people.
0: Yeah.
2: Did you feel like it was or did you have a moment where you had to question how much you loved it growing up in the industry? Because I feel like growing up going to auditions, I realized how much I loved it because I was there on my own and learning how to do everything on my own. And then I'd watch all these moms like brushing their daughters hair and running running lines with them and you could tell the mom was the reason that they were there and i was like well wouldn't that be nice but like here i am like up by my bootstraps like yeah no
1: i that's yes i have felt that i mean i i grew up i did not grow up wanting to be um to work in entertainment because my my parents did a, were very actively um pushing my brother and i it's just us two, away from that they were very very uh anti us falling in his my dad's footsteps were they
0: anti because they truly just wanted the kids or you and your brother to have nothing to do with it or was it more if they want to do it we want them to want to do it so much that they are almost like kind of go against the grain you know like that's you know what i'm yes, saying just that's like, a
1: better way to articulate it it was it was not that they were like you cannot be it was like If that is what you want to do, you will have exhausted every other resource. That's what I want to make sure of. And I and I genuinely like. I'm so uh, sensitive to coming off like, and here are all my accolades. But um, like I worked really hard in school. I was like a huge nerd, and uh, I went to a college prep boarding school outside of Santa Barbara where I was raised, and then I went to Stanford and I graduated in four years with you know, that's pretty honors in my major. class. thank thank (laughs) you
4: and very uh, cool.
1: i worked in a stem cell biology research lab for four summers in high school and became like a a published scientific author now that one i got lucky about because i just cultured cells that got used in an abstract
0: again i think there's luck is required in all aspects of life to a certain degree but you don't you don't get published as a scientist by just like waking up one day and and just having stumbling, some, into a stumbling into a lab you you have to make things happen
1: it was a lot of luck but a little bit of work for sure uh you're and, a humble man and so i i i say this as like i at one point i thought i was going to be a molecular biologist at one point i thought maybe i'd go pre-med and i was always um writing throughout my childhood and into my you know late teens and college years and i had done a little acting but acting it always spooked me Specifically, the culture around it. I just had seen, you know, the effects of it, and it, I, I, I'm kind of a secret introvert, so it had just startled me. We love, way. we
0: love a good introvert. Okay, yeah, good. Samzies, yeah. uh, <laughs> Samzies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But so, when it came to the moment in time where I was like, you know what, I really like writing. I really like it. I gotta actually humor this. Then I did. I feel like what the healthy you know, thing is, and, and again, I recognize opportunity. Like I had the opportunity to go do this, but I was, you know, I took the PA jobs in the writer's rooms and I just, my goal was to go there and absorb it and see like, is this a career path, a viable career path for me? Could I do this? Was this after Stanford? This was while I was at Stanford during the summers. Damn. You know, I worked on, uh, like some of uh, trying to think of like my fi- like the mick i don't know if you remember that show on yeah. fox oh, like yeah. the churnins yeah. the guys who created that were like mentors to me afterwards that and that was an incredible experience i was an assistant to a director executive producer on um, american horror story for a season and i would just like and i mean it like an assistant like i would like go and like i did fun creative stuff like he would be like can you storyboard this scene for me or can you outline you know the the beats of of the next draft but then it was also like Hey, like, can you go get my smoothie from the sure. um, truck? And I, I was like, great. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was like, sure. What do you, let me make it the best smoothie you've ever had, yeah. man.
0: I love that, man. And I think that's, that speaks to why, you know, you had the level of success that you had. And I think that's where a lot of people, people miss that, right? Because, yeah. you know, sure, you've, you've had the access. That's, there's no question. But it took a lot of work to get into Stanford. And then even after that, your summers you could have easily wanted to like just chill relax but like to do that type of grunt work and and, and that's where like when you surprise people with your work ethic especially when mm-hmm. people assume i think anyone who goes on reality tv it's like similar i suppose to like a nepotism I was kid about to too a, where if you just if there's a lot of people are going to have assumptions about you just mm-hmm. by where you come from oh you're on reality tv oh you you have a sense of entitlement you're, you're this, you're that. Oh, yep. you're a Nepo kid. Same thing. Sense yep. of entitlement, lazy, whatever. But you show up and you're willing to do the work and you're willing to like do to grind it out and, and learn and humble yourself that that's this like, that separates you from so many people so quickly.
1: Yes, I completely agree. And I think that that comparison is valid. And, and, and my, my remedy for that and my advice I've given to people is like, You have to be okay with outworking the people around you, at least for a certain amount of time, ideally for the rest of your life. But at some point, you have to commit to outworking the person to your right and left as as someone where there are preconceived notions to you because you're swimming against current. Like, they want you to fail. Uh, Maybe that's too broad, but, like, they've created an expectation of you. You are entitled you are privileged you are have a chip on your shoulder you might be lazy it's like okay great i will just outwork these people until they can no longer acknowledge until they can no longer ignore the the reality of this of this situation yeah
0: i'm assuming then hearing about your background in molecular biology and then obviously your relationship with your dad that a lot of inspiration came from for unstable
1: yeah i think you know it's funny i i thought that People would realize, and during the press, this was part of the press push too, is like how similar it is to our lives. But I think people are very surprised when I tell them, like, first of all, that dynamic on screen is is really close.
0: I, that's what I was wondering. His a nice like, dynamic.
1: Oh, razor thin.
0: Okay. <laughs> Truly. When I first turned on the show, and yeah. like the opening scene with, with your dad, because I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I'm going to turn it on and watch it. I honestly thought it was like, an opening to like a scripted reality TV show of your life. Cause (laughs) your dad seems to play like a caricature of himself so well. Yes. You know, where he like leans into what he might think a lot of people might think he acts for sure. Right. And he does that so brilliantly. He,
1: I'll tell you this much that I have no, that's a, a a good take, like an astute observation. And the truth is, that's kind of just what he's like, too, in reality. Like, that character, Ellis Dragon, his character on Unstable, Chris Traeger, his character on Parks and Rec, and a little bit even, like, Eddie Nero, his character on Californication, if you ever saw that show. Those are him. Like, yeah. especially, like, Chris Traeger, who people are always like, he's so, I'm like, he, he's like a child on that show. I'm like, yeah, he's like a child in real life. <laughs> I, my dad is lovely one of one of my best friends you know we have super healthy working relationship but he is and I tell him this this is he's more of like a best friend than a dad he's uh like a kid at heart like we'll go you know it's like you want to go surfing today yeah let's get out there I got out there I catch like a a great wave and he's not like yeah I'm so proud of you I go back and he's like I just got one that was like a foot bigger it's no big deal <laughs> You know it's like that kind of you know sure. youthful competitive and yeah. I love it. it's so fun, but he's he's such a little baby boy,
0: and so that's <laughs> why the and this so story. as as did your relationship with your dad evolve did you I, I i would imagine you got closer as you became more of an adult?
1: yes, I would say we got we, we we were always you know growing up was tricky um and he was he's always been a good dad that is the truth that's i say that begrudgingly but um like fine (laughs) whatever you're welcome dad it was tricky growing up like i remember when he was doing the west wing i didn't see him that much like those hours were really intense and um like you know i've unpacked it in therapy i like that you gave therapy a shout out oh yeah super pro therapy. therapy after this yeah yeah um I go twice a week, bro. Bam. Nice.
0: Hell yeah. Want to compete? Yeah. On our mental health. Well, I go for mm. th- and, <laughs> and
1: I am so pro therapy. Um,
2: but My yeah, sessions. No. Yeah, yeah. What Mine are I,
3: ninety minutes. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs> I do
1: EMDR. So yeah. <laughs> I love EMDR.
3: Yeah. I don't actually right now. But it's I wish okay. I did. We
1: were about to be friends, and then we were this close.
3: And then I was honest.
1: My we fiance is in EMDR. Really? Yeah. It's great. It's really great. Um, but uh, I to not drag it out. It, it was trickier when I was young because he was gone a lot for shows and then he started to adjust and he was like, I'll do shows on schedules that I can be around you guys more often. But we have become very close in the past five-ish years because when I got sober, he's he really helped me with that and that just like was a, a connection, like a bond that that we've really sort of built off of and I'm super
0: appreciative for his help in that regard that's awesome is I'm, it i'm assuming it must be a lot of fun just working with him too
1: it is yeah i mean look
0: especially on your project
1: on my on yes on our project it's it's it is fun it's frustrating at times he's still you know a man that has been famous for whatever 30 40 years so with that comes a certain level of um Divaness, I don't have a better way of putting it. Pri- you know, expected privilege. Like. So
2: when his rice slides into his if sandwich, his rice yeah. in- no, yeah. He throws it Oh, by the way, guys. I am I hi- am
1: <laughs> highly underqualified to be getting his food. I would never like the people that have worked for him or our family. I'm I'm always like, you guys are superheroes <laughs> dealing with my parents the way you guys do. <laughs> you know, he. It's like a small examples where it's. I'm sitting there on set. You know, they've called us and I'm, you know, it's lit. I've done my, you know, last looks and everything. And then his car with his driver pulls up to set and like parks like right next to the camera and he gets out and he's like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, well, we've, you don't give me a let's go. We've been let's going for five minutes now waiting around here. Don't let's go right now. Uh. So it's fun, but he's, you know, he's not, he's not a crazy person, but he has, you know, been a. He was famous, got famous when he was 18 years old. You can only be so grounded.
0: It, I, it, it seems like, I, I feel like as I got older, you know, as someone who is pro mental health and I, I, I work really hard on, on myself. Like I really want to continue to challenge myself to just be a better person, not to sound cliche. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, I've also learned to accept who I am. Mm-hmm. So it's like, these are certain, this is how my brain works, this is who I am. And I don't want to necessarily convenience anyone, but I also like, hey, if you want to be around me, I just need to be upfront that this is me. And it seems like, to a certain extent, like you said, like you're, you've learned to accept who your dad is yeah, and, and love him for that and then kind of you know let him work on some of the other stuff. But a big part, I think, of all relationships is a balance between challenging the people in your life to be a better version of themselves, all while just accepting who they are and loving them for their strengths, and their faults.
1: Yes. In recovery, there's, there's this notion of acceptance around being perfectly imperfect. And it sounds very cheesy, but I, I firmly you know stick to that thought multiple times a day. Yeah. And it applies to both people and life and the universe and whatever you want to apply it to where it's like this person or this thing is the way they are perfectly. Like I don't get to control that because it's goes back way back to what you were saying, which I really liked where you were like, when I start to worry about why somebody else got something that I didn't get that messes with your process. It's the same on a more broad scale with like, if I start to accept that things are the way they are for a reason, then that gives me more peace in life. That doesn't mean you just get completely complacent because like us, you know, there's a really pretty prayer called the serenity prayer that's you know god grant me the serenity mm-hmm. to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference so it's like you you gotta know the things you can yeah. change work to change them but there are many 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 things you cannot change and that's the hardest part is yeah.
0: learning to accept that and then work through and work through the reality that. Of, of that yeah yeah speaking of uh i don't know, maybe they're nepo kids or maybe they ever have a hard time knowing the reality but let's talk vanderpump for a moment let's Fucking do it. Wondering Even the Rich, the podcast that tells these crazy stories about some of the world's elite and their wild and wacky lives from, you know, the family destinies like the Murdochs. You have Dolly Parton's legendary story. They got Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson, Lucia Ball. So many of these kind of, these fascinating people with fascinating lives. We, we, often hear about the glamour and the, the fame and the attention, but there's so much more that, you know, the, you know, that all kind come with a price. And so many of these people's stories are, are really just wild and, and fascinating. The Janet Jackson one with the whole uh, wardrobe, cotton, malfunction. wardrobe malfunction is a wild one. The Whitney Houston one is one of my favorites. If you love, stories about some of your favorite celebrities and the behind the scenes like for example if you like succession the murdoch uh podcast it's very succession-esque you know those those wild stories so to check out even the rich even the rich is a podcast from Wondery that tells the jaw-dropping stories about the tumultuous lives of the world's elite from the greatest family dynasties to pop culture superstars listen to even the rich on amazon music or wherever you get your podcasts Follow Even the Rich wherever you get your podcast. You can even listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, people, it's, uh, it's a tough world out there. We need to talk to people. We need to let things off our chest, whether you're dealing with anxiety money problems, relationship problems. Maybe you just need to talk to someone. Maybe you're not sure if you should move in or move out with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Therapy has changed my life for the better. It can change yours as well. If you've ever thought about therapy, but maybe you were just kind of nervous about how do I find a therapist? Maybe it's too expensive. BetterHelp offers you uh, therapy without having to go in person it's more affordable than in-person therapy. And the best part about BetterHelp is they're working with so many different types of therapists. So the ability to find a therapist that connects with you and your needs that you just relate to is 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 so much greater. It's really easy. You could be talking to a mental health pr- professional in the next 48 hours. Just go to BetterHelp.com. You take a quick assessment about what you're looking for, what do you want to talk about, and they will pair you with a mental health professional. A-S-A-P. And the best part is, if you don't click with that person, that's no problem. They will pair you up with someone new, and you can literally just keep swapping out therapists until you find a match. But I highly recommend it. It allows you, again, you can do it from your home. You can do it your, your car. You can do it in between lunch breaks, on a tablet, computer, your phone. I think I said phone already. Uh, If you don't even feel comfortable with doing it on a video chat, you can just do voice to voice. You don't even have to worry about that. So, so many options to make sure that you're comfortable. It's incredibly great. So many of our listeners have tried BetterHelp and they love it. And you could be the next one who's prioritizing their mental health as well. So, to take charge of your mental health, go to betterhelp.com slash V-I-A-L-L to get 10% off your first month. That's right. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash V-I-A-L-L. How, have you always, have you been a fan for a long time? I, okay, so I was
1: a fan. I watched it. One of my, 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 my college ex-girlfriend got me into it. That was how I got into it. I remember being like, like, what do you want me to watch right now? And within like two episodes, I was like, dude, play play the uh, another one, play the next one, go. Uh, I've never know?
2: gotten so hooked on a show like I've been watching reality yeah. TV for most of my life. Never have I gotten hooked so quickly. <sighs> I
1: had never watched reality TV. I, I you know, I would never seen. I had like friends and stuff. I just never done it. Since then, I've cultured myself. Obviously, I'm a man of culture now. I've yeah. seen most of them. Um, but I took a long hiatus from Vanderpump. I, 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 life just led me on a different path. Sure, and I came back to it. Um, as it does. You found your does. way home. <laughs> I came back home. Uh, and then. You know, as as fate would have it, Scandival landed on our lap, and I was like, I knew I was back here for a reason.
0: So, my question for you, because we we've been talking a lot about it, I've I've had some tough critiques of the Toms as a man yourself. What? Um, as I, a man, <laughs> it's always bad. That's
1: I, I just know. Just like we can't defend our species like that, man. We're the worst.
0: But what what i a? I'll try. What is about like. And you were, you were with Schwartz. I haven't met him in person. Yeah. Him and I have been messaging back and forth about coming on. Yeah. I think last week's episode was a perfect example of why I think I think Schwartz has hope as a, and where I don't think Sandoval does. Yes. But that moment where Schwartz called out Sandoval about like, all you do is show up and get mad and say a bunch of shit, but you don't really do anything. Yeah. Yeah, like
2: what work are you doing to get this place open? It's
0: like, you know, Sandoval had the wherewithal to be like, it's my mom's retirement money, which I think the collective of Bravo Nation was like, holy shit, you're a piece of shit for taking your mom's retirement money and then fucking off with your band all while like leaving the responsibility of this bar on everyone else but you. And I really believe when he was like, talking about his nails or band practice, I don't think he was kidding. No, it doesn't He was seem like, like a I bit.
3: can't have grubby nails but my mom can lose her home. It's just like, you know, and
0: the, that he's just like, oh well, that was a, a scheduled practice that was in the books for weeks as if Tom Sandoval has never flaked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But
1: the dude continues to spiral on that show. It's pretty. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I will say before we, okay, because I'm gonna get into my takes, yeah, and I'm I'm gonna get into the mud. Okay, I feel important to preface it and say like, there. This is so lame, but this is my disclaimer of like, and I feel like you'll respect this somewhat. Maybe you won't, but like these people are humans, so I do feel. Like, there is some sense of where I'm like, everyone, like, again, goes back to what I just said everyone's imperfect. Like, people make mistakes. Some people fuck up way more consistently and way bigger than other people. Yeah. And it is totally within our reason as people, as human beings, to both do that and then to both go, I do not mess with you as a person and I don't want you around me or like I don't mess with your image.
0: So that's my. I I completely agree. As we, we talk a lot of reality TV, we acknowledge that for the most part, many of these people we have never met in person. Yeah. And these are all edited shows. And yeah. so we reserve the right to be completely wrong uh, when discussing these people's character okay. and who they are. Now, that being said. That being said. <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look, first of all, shorts, charming dude.
2: Like that's what Katie's warned us oh, about. She's I, like, he, he's, I, he's I, gonna come on the show, and you're gonna fall in love with him. I DM'd really the guy,
0: and I was like, "Hey, we love you having the show. I just want to be up front with you. I've been a little critical of you, but like, yeah. I think it'd be fun." And he's like,
2: "Yo, man, Nick,
0: congratulations!" I'm mean, even through his DMs. Just, like, this charming, yeah. Motherfucker. He just, it's like an it's like you know whatever
1: the, like love bombing. It's like an energy bomb with him. Yeah, right? yeah. you're <laughs> like, whoa, this guy just fired me up. Yeah, I like this guy for sure. Um, and I've spoken. I've I've met a few of the the cast mates and 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 i've i you know i think that they're all not surprisingly very charismatic um schwartz has this really disarming energy though that has has contextualized all of the vanderpump tea for me very well where i'm like oh i because watching it you're kind of like how does somebody like this get so many chances or how does somebody like this get into so many situations and then i was around them and i'm like Man, I'd make some fucking mistakes with this guy. I'd do some yeah. stupid <laughs> stuff with this guy. He's fun. Yeah. It's like, like, I'd it's go like, out and, whatever, like, man. like, I'm sober, and I'm like, man, if I was drinking, I'd go out with that guy and get drunk, and we would, like, get into trouble together. He's, like, he's got that, like, natural instigator energy in a an, in an wholesome way, which is very strange. And he's very nice. I don't know. You watched Watch What Happens, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, he was, the wrist weight thing, he was, was not a bit. He was wearing them in the green room before... We went on, and he was like, "I just touched my face so much, I I gotta stop. I'm just gonna wear them out there." And he was like, "Do you think they look super like noticeable?" And I was like, "The
2: massive wrist weights, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah."
2: Like but, Tom, do you want me to be honest with yeah, you? But I
1: said to him, "I'm like, look, you have this whole authenticity thing going right now. Like, ride that." I was like, I, "It was so funny because, and that's the other thing. There is this weird. I'm sure you've experienced this. There is this weird, like, cultural circumstance where it's like." these reality stars have so many actors or famous people that are uh, fans of them. Yeah. And then they're like, wait, that person's a fan of mine? Like I was, like I walked in and I, I was like, I, I played it kind of cool, but but they know. They, t- you know, Andy briefs them. They're like, he's a super fan. And and I was like, I don't know about super fan, but I'm a huge fan. And also, can I
0: smell you? <laughs> can I,
1: yeah. It, you know, give me that Tom Tom hat or whatever. Uh, how, you gave me a shorts and Sandy's hat that I was like, okay, this is cool. That's dope. Um, <laughs> But like, I have a friend who I, I won't name, but is like a, a very, very successful actress. And she was like, you have to FaceTime me from the green room. I have to meet Shorts, And I was like, okay, fine. I will. And like, right before I left, I had forgotten to do it. I was like, oh shit, like shorts. And I, I FaceTimed her and her husband, who's like one of my closest friends. And they came on and he was like, oh, Hey. And, and she on the other end of the face, I was like so shy. I got so shy and starstruck. I was like, hi, oh my God. And then hung up and, and it was so funny because I hung up the phone and I was just thinking about my friend and he was like, she's a fan of mine? I love her. And I was like, yeah, man, we watch Vanderpump every week together. It's this really interesting dynamic how it works. for yeah. it. Reality stars are such a unique, they capture such a unique corner of like media and attention it's it blends all things it's very interesting i've gotten i've digressed i do want to get back into skin
0: no this is, it, you're right it is true it's kind of wild what was the weirdest celebrity story you had mm. uh vanna white vanna white wanted to talk to me when i was in the <laughs> dressing room and one of her friends was my you know hairdresser at the time and she's like vanna white would just can we facetime her can we call her and i was like yes it was a good one. she's a legend and the fact that she you know just you're right when you realize certain people know you exist yeah. just exist is a wild is a wild uh, realization sometimes
1: it was yeah. it was really it was honestly kind of wholesome to see in that mm-hmm. moment cuz i was like oh people just like each other and then i'm like oh shit i got to get there's mud here i got to yeah. <laughs> get back into it um but no that that experience with shorts was fascinating watching andy's reactions in real time To what he was saying, because he was clearly saying too much. It was it was palpable. It was it was so evident within the first three minutes we were on the air that it was gonna be like that the whole time. Because and he was kind of saying it beforehand too. He's like, I could he he openly was talking to us about how you know he was kind of nervous, and I don't want to completely air out the things that he said you know in privacy. But hearing about the Scandaval situation behind closed doors, it's it's just really intense to hear about how like. Watching it, you understand it's real, but there's a part of your brain that's like, this is all happening on my TV. Like, yeah. is this all a bit? And then when you hear about, like, real world emotions and stakes and, like, that that guy's a human and there's human impact that this blowback is having, It's just, it contextualizes it in a way that's very interesting where you're kind of like, oh, man, that's
0: crazy. Do you think having been able to talk with Schwartz behind closed doors, do you think he... Do you think he gets it? You know, do you think he gets? Because when Sandoval went on Howie Long's podcast, Howie Mendel, Howie Mendel, Sorry Long, Howie Mendel's <laughs> podcast, and we're gonna get a chance to talk with Howie next week. Yeah, yeah. Howie's just like I don't get it, and, uh, and then Tom was like I don't get it either, and it was like what don't you get? And it, it's just and that's I think the I disconnect. Think, like even Schwartz gets
1: it. I think do he think gets he gets it. it. I don't want to give him the full pass in the sense of like honestly, if he gets it, it's worse because he was around it the whole time. So I want to say he doesn't get it.
0: But maybe but at least get it now. I think
1: he gets it now. And I, I do think he gets it now. I think, look, again, it boils down. There's recurring themes in this show. I like it. We bring it, it's full, it's circular here. But it comes back to what you were saying of like, at the end of the day, these people win on a show because they knew that there were cameras there. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think innately, it has stuck with them that like drama kind of makes the world go round on Vanderpump you know that's how it goes yeah. and so i do think that shorts gets it now but that he's he, there's a part of him probably that was comfortable being around the drama of it now I, my my sort of headline on this is having met shorts and spent time with him i think it's totally unfair to put him in the sandoval camp on the level of contempt we're seeing
0: i i I agree. I don't. I haven't met either of them, but even from afar watching the show, again, I, I do. I think there's hope for Swartz. I think he has some growing up to do. I think uh, I think he's too much of the fun guy, and and in terms of taking on responsibility, he could maybe step up a little bit. But I I really think Sandoval, he he he's shown no hope for me when it comes to him. Where I I really think. Even that last episode, talking about his mom's retirement, his unwillingness to like step up when his general manager was like, Well, why don't you guys come in here and do the work? The look on Sandoval's face was like, I
1: don't, what <laughs> the fuck? I don't. I saw that too.
0: Right? Like, yeah. again, you're talking about doing coffee runs and doing grunt work, and you could have easily been like, Well, I don't, I'm fucking Johnny Lowe or whatever. And I think Tom Sandoval has that kind of a. You know, I'm fucking Tom Sandoval. Yeah. You know, like I don't. Yeah, I'm the name. I'm the talent. I'm the one who brings in the people. I, yeah, and it's like he's not willing to get dirty unless he's being dirty, so to speak. But there like, there you go. Um, I just don't. Yeah, it. He just like even when he was talking to Ariana, and he was like, "Oh, Ariana's, on, you never take my side," and it's just like you never be, because. When it comes to Tom Sandoval, it seems like no one else matters other than himself. And, t- and, uh, and once he's dealt with his immediate needs, that's when he can consider other people's needs. And I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone who has a track record of just constantly putting themselves first and not realizing that they're doing
1: it. Yeah,
3: that. like utterly lacking self-awareness. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I'd have to ask my first ex girlfriend what that's like. I'm kidding. That was a self roast. Um, uh, no, I, I uh, again, I will say, say that, and I'm sorry to be so lame and, and continuing, continuingly contextualizing things. But like, if my life was on camera, there's a, bef- especially before I got sober, because I was a really lost person before sure. I got sober. Like, I get how people to the place that we see them at where you're like how is this person doing that i don't condone it but at least i understand it sure i'm like yeah it's a sequence of mistakes in a row there's some level of childhood trauma that's probably unaddressed for sure there's some level of insecurity and fear and um resentment that has sort of laid dormant in that guy probably for a long time and it's manifesting in him fucking over his partner and his friends but like i can at least comprehend how a human gets there and that gives me oh, some sure. level of like
0: empathy a little bit yeah
1: a, a, a bit now mind you again i'm not condoning it because and especially his can, circumstance is so
0: yeah. egregious so egregious. if you let's say hypothetical you are you go into a general meeting you walk into an elevator, in comes Tom Sandoval, yeah. it's you and him, you go up, elevator gets stuck, and you're in an elevator with Tom Sandoval for 15 minutes. What advice do you offer him?
1: That's a great, I love that setup. I get why you have a successful podcast. Thanks, man. Um, I got you. Uh, Right now. Yeah.
4: This is right now. You leave today. take Scandoval. You leave today. It's our
2: elevator.
1: elevator. It's going to happen. You guys have set this up. It's a (laughs) plan. Yeah. Um, I would tell him to remember that hatred and love are very close to each other on the emotional spectrum and that people right now in the world, quote unquote, are hating him because they had expectations of him. And wanted him to be this person they could idolize. And so I would say what that means, you know, optimistically is that with the right type of self-work and image restoration, you can be loved again. And more importantly, the people you care about will love you again. It's not about the people on Instagram and Twitter. It's about his close friends who are equally as pissed at him from Mm -hmm. what I understand. And that's what you have to repair and you also have to, he probably hates himself right now. It's my guess. Whether he wants to admit it or can, can co- coherently and consciously think it, you got to learn to love yourself again and let these people back into your life. So I would just basically tell him all of this contempt you're experiencing is only because people at one point loved you so much. So just know that you are worthy of
0: that. And use it to be the person people want you to be. So yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you got to. You can't just be like, bro, like. Ditch Raquel, probably get sober and quit the fucking band, figure your life out and just keep your head down for two years because you're not fixing the emotional, spiritual part of it, which just
3: means you'll screw up again at some point. It's like yeah. the disease versus the symptoms. Yes. Yeah. That's why.
0: Yes. I mean, if I that's one question I wish how or he would be asked is why do you think you cheated and, and, and you can include Ariana in that answer? You know, it's like, where did that come from inside? Yeah. Why, why did you decide in that moment to handle it this way rather than handle it yeah. a, a different way? And
1: by the way, this is kind of, I want to pose a question to you guys. Cause I've had this conversation before with like female friends of mine or guy friends of mine. It's like, I like posing, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want to, I don't want to lead you to an answer cause I have a take. So it's, what would be worse for you to find out from your partner? That they had sex with someone else or that they were having an emotional affair with someone
0: else? Um, that is a great question, Johnny. And I'm dying to get into it because actually uh, we love this question. We talk a lot about cheating on this show and then I have a couple of questions for you. But now it's time for don't sweat the wedding. Sweating the wedding. Uh, sweating the <laughs> wedding or uh, whatever. <laughs> it's time for... <laughs> I don't even know my own don't segments. segment.
2: sweat the nuptials. Uh, <laughs> new it's, time, segment. <laughs> it's time for sweating
0: the wedding. Uh, John, are you down to help uh, give some uh, wedding advice to our callers? And then we'll get into your great hypothetical question.
1: I'm so down.
0: How's it going?
5: I'm doing good. What's your name? My name's Quinn. I'm 25. And I'm trying to decide if I should invite my family to my vow renewal in Vegas. And my family is in a religious cult.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, tell us about this cult.
5: So it's pretty mainstream. I'm not going to name it because I still have a lot of family that's in it. And I know that it's really important to them. Okay. But it's a very extreme Christian denomination. And my husband and I got married when we were still in this religion. Okay. And so we got married under their religious practices, which included a closed-door wedding ceremony. None of my friends were there. Most of my family wasn't there. And it wasn't the fun party that I always dreamed of. There were also a lot of weird religious rituals that were thrown on me that I wasn't expecting. And so that was three and a half years ago. Now we are still happily married and we've left that church and we want a new ceremony that like really shows who we are as people now because that one doesn't mm-hmm. reflect us anymore. So we're planning one in Vegas for our five year anniversary, but I don't know if I should invite my family.
0: Interesting. And and like, I'm assuming you call it a cult now, but at the time you didn't refer it to as one. Right. I'm assuming the people. Right. Um, practicing just see it as normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, well, what's your gut tell you? Like what? Let's look like, pros. Pros to invite them. Uh, pros to leaving them out. What? What are? I'm assuming you, you've run through some of those thoughts already in your head. Mm-hmm. What are they?
5: I want them there, but I want them there in an ideal scenario where they can be supportive and happy for me. Um, one of the things I've thought a lot about is the fact that now that we've left, that ceremony means a lot more to them than it does to us. And so I don't want to ruin that for them because it happened. So it might as well be a really special and amazing memory for someone. Um, so I don't want to risk tampering with that or offending them. And I don't expect them to celebrate essentially leaving this religion with me, which is kind of what the vow renewal is also a celebration of. Yeah. Um, but I want my, you know my dad never walks me down the aisle and I would love to have that experience.
1: Have you uh, spoken to them about? Or introduced the notion of uh, doing something that wasn't necessarily fully aligned with your previous affiliation with that religion or cults like do they seem very against the idea or are they moderately open to it
5: they're pretty tight-lipped so they I don't know what they're saying when I'm not around they're Mm. kind of easy enough to talk to in person but I think that this might be a bridge too far for them
0: how did they handle you leaving the
4: church
5: not very well they we still have an open relationship like we can talk to one another and we communicate but it was really difficult for them and we are a year removed from me telling them about two years removed from me actually leaving and it's still a sore subject for sure
0: well i mean i really think this is a case of of just boundary setting you know with with your family so i guess the question is like ideally here's what i would do and i'm curious what what you think, how they would react? But the obvious, the 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 thing that comes to me quickly is just reaching out to them. I don't, you know, whether it's a phone call, maybe it's a maybe a letter might be better. I don't know, uh, to get your thoughts out and just explain why you're doing what you're doing. And I think you should be as transparent as you feel is appropriate. And you say, hey, listen, you're still my family. I love you. I know that. We've made some decisions that you don't necessarily love, but I hope that you still love us and respect us. But ultimately, here's why I'd want you here. I'd love for you to walk me down the aisle. I'd love for you to be there just to support us, even though you don't necessarily agree with why. And if you guys could do that and respect our choices, we would love to have you there. But I think you set some clear boundaries of what your expectations are, you know, and I think you have to be pretty clear on, on things you expect them not to do. You know, as it relates to making this, you know, this is not a time for you to try to bring us back in. Uh, We want people around us who may not necessarily agree with it, but are there to still celebrate our love. And if you can communicate that and they're willing to do that, then I think you can be open to it. But I think you should prioritize you and your husband and and the vows that you want to renew here. And I think to me that would be paramount. And if you think there's a chance that they could take away from that and this could just be like wedding number one, 2.0, so to speak, then I think maybe you don't have them there.
5: Yeah, I also think too that I've been really been wondering if it's even fair to invite them because we're not going to have the same guest list that we did the first time. It's gonna be much smaller. We're prioritizing friends and people who couldn't celebrate with us the first time. And so beyond walking me down the aisle, I don't know what else they would really want to participate in because like there's going to be some drinking. There's going to be activities sure. they don't support. And so I don't even know if it's fair to put them in a situation where they have to like suffer through that.
0: Will they really suffer.
5: They will say that they are. Yes.
4: Yeah.
1: I, I agree with your advice. I think as somebody who is a huge fan of boundaries and boundary work, I think it's healthy for anybody to um start to open their mind to this notion that like you are entitled to have the wedding that you want and and the things you want um as long as it's not at the expense of of you know hurting someone else and you're not hurting them by doing you gave, by the way I mean you gave them the wedding that they wanted it sounds like um so I think uh transparency is your friend right yeah. now like being you know cuz the one thing i think that the key to all of this i imagine is having enough communication that you can then walk down that aisle with or without them and feel content either way you can go well i voiced my my take and invited them and they couldn't uh accept my version of an invitation and so i get to carry on without them or maybe they do accept it but i think you know having that conversation that that or, or the boundary oriented conversation with them is a good idea because you don't want to just like probably not address it.
0: Yeah. Here's why I think to add to that, why I'm in favor of it. at least you giving them the opportunity because I think you're right. I think it's, it's probably best that they don't come right. I think your gut's probably right here, but they are your parents. It sounds like you still love them and still want to have a relationship with them. You know, and as we get to adults, our relationships with our parents can be very complicated because there's our parents expectations of what that should look like and then our own expectations. And then when our morals and values as adults don't line up with our parents, that gets gets real messy real fast. And in your case, it's like the extreme version of that. But it's just one of those things like if you don't reach out, if you just say, I'm not going to invite them and you make assumptions for how they're going to act or how they're going to behave, even if you write. They can weaponize that against you. It's like, well, you didn't invite us and blah, blah, blah. We feel left out and yada, yada, yada. And they could make all these accusations as opposed to you, you reaching out, being very clear what your expectations are and almost paint a picture that makes them go. Yeah, we're not fucking going to this thing. You know, this is, but just the invitation and leading with love by saying, I love you guys. You mean the world to me. I understand I'm making choices you don't agree with, but. No matter what, you're always going to be my parents. And I love you with all my heart, regardless of of the lives we choose to lead. And here's what I would love. This is what's going to happen. Here's what I'd like. I want to be up front. These are the types of activities that are going to be present at this wedding. So out of respect for you, I want to be up front and let you know so that if it's something you're not comfortable with, I understand why you wouldn't come, but I don't want you to feel uninvited type of thing. Right, and I feel like that way you're covering all your bases, and not giving them an opportunity to feel unwanted or criticize and things like that. And most likely, it sounds like they wouldn't come if you paint an accurate picture of what this event's going to be. And then I feel like you're going to feel a lot better from having at least invited invited them and not just, you know, and disinvite them and just distance yourself.
5: And my sister's definitely going to be coming, so I don't think there's really a scenario where I could only extend an invitation to one member of my yeah. family. I don't think that would go over very well. Um, but there's also I definitely have this urge to to downplay it to them and make it seem like it's more of a party and not really be fully open about how important of a ceremony it is for us.
0: I mean, you know your parents best, but I I don't know. I feel like you should not hide that fact. I think you should feel proud of what you're doing and you should feel good about it. And again, I think that's part of boundary setting. It's to it's it's kind of standing up for your parents and to say, I'm no longer gonna feel shame and guilt for doing something that I know is right in my heart, even though you don't agree with it. And I still kind of expect you to love me regardless because mm-hmm. I have the right to live my life and respectfully, you know, this is the party I I, I want. And you're not doing it to throw it in your face. You're just doing it out of respect for them because you're like, hey, I want you there, but I know you're not comfortable with X, Y, and Z. And so I just want to say, I understand if you don't come because of X, Y, or Z, but I just want to be up front because, because I respect you and I respect your choices and I respect you know, your religious and your practices. It's just, I hope that you respect mine. And that's, that's kind of what you're just, you're setting a new expectation with your parents of, I have the right to state my expectations, set my boundaries. And respect yours even though and i agree and we can agree to disagree but we're, we still respect each other even if it's from afar
5: right now i don't really have any sort of emotional reaction to whether or not my parents come but there is also part of me that's worried that the day of you know i do all of this i set the boundaries i explain to them what's going on but then i'm there and i'm sad because i don't have my family with me and i don't want to replace one subpar memory with another like I want this to be done right and so I'm just trying to figure out what right really is.
3: I think so much of it is probably like the perspective and the way that you set expectations for yourself and I think like trusting future you to like if you do feel a moment like maybe you're about to walk down the aisle and you feel like a little pang because your dad's not there like trusting her to be able to like navigate that and move through it and you know maybe feel sad for a small amount of time but then continue to have a really good time and be present or. Alternatively, like because, you know, you know, you have some areas where you've identified ahead of time that could be tender, like having a friend who you really love walk you down the aisle and like using it as an opportunity to like kind of think about the traditions where you might feel the absence of your family and think about ways to reinvent those traditions to embody where you are at now because you are someone who's been so capable of acknowledging and practicing discernment with like You're the way you were brought up and values and kind of all of those kind of pre-autofill settings and deciding which ones like serve you. And so continuing to do that.
0: Just remember why you and your husband are doing this. That's the focus. Whatever your reason that you two sat down and said, we want to renew our vows and this is why, that should take priority over everything. Because otherwise, what's the point? Just don't have the party. But I think all your decisions that you decide, does this Does this elevate the day that we want to have and the reasons for us having it, or does it take away from it? And I think that that's how you should go about your kind of decision tree. You know, you should ask yourself that question with every choice that you have, is this going to elevate how we are? Is this going to, is this going to put me in the right state of mind or the wrong state of mind? And that's what you should prioritize. And you should not prioritize everyone's feelings. You know, it's your day. It's your and your husband's day. And as long as, you know, you're not doing things out of spite, you're not doing it for revenge or to say, fuck off. You're just, you're you're clearly considering everyone's feelings. I think right now you just need to consider your and your husband's feelings and this day and everything else will fall into place.
5: One of the things we've talked about a lot is the fact that like, even though we aren't in that church anymore and we would have done things differently, but we could go back. It's still what brought us together. Yeah. And so we want to find a way to like kind of honor that ceremony in our renewal without um, while still recognizing that we are kind of getting married to who we are now again instead of who we were five years ago.
0: Yeah. And I think that's great.
3: Yeah. Who's um? do you have someone officiating? Because that strikes me as like an area where if you have a close friend. Um, who can really like tell your story in a way that like acknowledges all of the like history and all of the ways that it is so meaningful and like informs this moment like that could be a great way to feel like it's kind of in the room with you or and this might be a horrific idea I don't know your parents but like I don't know if if you said I would love for you to write a letter about like advice you have for like marriage mm-hmm. and like five years in like what advice do you have knowing what I know now about marriage and wanting this future and wanting what you guys have and kind of speaking to complimenting them and their relationship and saying, like, Mm -hmm. it would mean the world to me. I don't think this ceremony aligns with your values, but if you could write a letter for me to read the day of, like, that would mean the world to me.
5: So, like, approach it with an invitation first rather than just, like, a hesitation Mm -hmm. and try to, like, involve them in the process. Yeah, Yeah, but
0: you shouldn't run away from being upfront with them about what this entails. And I know that's, like, I think with when it comes to our parents, we're very afraid of disappointing them. Even as, a, you know, it's like this. they have this weird power dynamic over you. But I think this will go a long way of your parents continuing to understand that if they want you in their life, they're going to have to respect your choices, even if they don't agree with your choices. And that's that's part of life, you know? Like, we have to love people for, you know, especially our siblings, our parents, our children, you know? Like, they're not going to become clones of us. And we still have to respect them and love them for who they are. And sometimes parents need to have kids enforce those boundaries to say, no, like, I'm, you can't make me feel shame. You can't make me feel guilt. I'm happy with who I am. I want you in my life and I need you to respect it. And if we, and if you can, then we can, we can still love each other.
5: It's going to be a hard conversation because we haven't really talked about the church in a year. And so just talking about it is going to open the floodgates a little bit, I think. Yeah. But you're, I think you're right.
0: Might be healthy in the long run.
5: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, it's a lot, but I think you'll you'll be glad you did. And you know, I would talk with your husband about it. I'm sure you guys are there. He's probably going through a similar thing. You know, lean on mm-hmm. each other with this with this type of stuff. But it's a challenge. But prioritize, protect the day that you're trying to have, because otherwise, what what's the point?
5: I have a hard time putting my feelings before my family's, but I think this is just a time when I have to.
0: Because if, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of them, you know? All right. Anything you want to add, Johnny? No,
1: I think, I mean, I think you said it when you said you have a hard time prioritizing your feelings over your family. I think a lot of people can relate to that. You're not alone in feeling that. And I think, uh, just trust that you deserve to prioritize yourself in this moment. That's about, this is about you and your husband, both of you guys. So prioritize that and be invitational to your parents but
0: it's not about them yeah and I think it's totally great that you're you, you recognize that no matter that the fact that you left the church that that's how you and your husband met it's like it's like heartbreak and pain you know like you can still appreciate I'm a i am aii very much appreciate so much of of the things that didn't go the way I hoped in the disappointment I've experienced in my life because it truly has brought me to where I'm at. And so you can still show a lot of appreciation for where you came from, even though you still don't want a a part of your current life. And I think there's, I think that's great and there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, like it's, that's a lot easier than trying to pretend that you and your husband meant a different way. It's just like, you know, you don't have to pretend Mm -hmm. you can still like, yeah, this is how it's a great story, you know, Out. You know, how'd you guys meet? Oh, we met in a cult. What? Yeah. You know, like it's it's funny.
3: It's a meat cult. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah you know, <laughs> embrace it, have some fun with it. But yeah, you don't have to hide from it and run from it.
5: And it's brought us so much closer to just like leaving together because yeah. for a while we weren't sure if we would both leave or if it was just me that was leaving. And so it's like we're just fundamentally different people now. And I kind of want to be able to celebrate the fact that we still choose each other. That's amazing. Even though we aren't the people we were when we first said yes. Yeah.
3: When is the uh, vow, renew, vow renewal ceremony?
5: It is August 8th, 2024.
3: Okay. 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 Copy. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to be sending you an email. <laughs>
5: around <laughs> that time. time to see how went.
4: <laughs> All
0: right. I think that's excellent. Well, good luck. Uh, please keep us posted what you decide to do and how you handle this. Uh, but Will do. Make sure you prioritize the day you're trying to have.
3: All right. Thank you, Nick.
0: All right. Take care. Wild call, wild call. All right, back to Johnny's question: emotional <laughs> cheating or having your partner just fuck someone else? The emotional cheating is worse; has to be. It's the only problem with the fucking. It's just like it's hard to know how much of it was meaningless sex. But but in
1: this hypothetical, in it's,
0: this it's it, a, okay.
1: in, in this hypothetical, it's a one night stand. Your partner fucked someone else. I guess came and told you even.
3: oh
0: then the emotional cheating is 10 times worse
3: yeah and for the emotional side they realized they were emotionally cheating on you and and came and told you both Mm. they both came clean
1: they came clean in both but again one conversation is i slept with someone else i regret it it was it was emotionless and um i'm sorry and the other one is i've you know i have i've had feelings for someone else I was,
0: i've been doing this emotional thing for weeks now doing,
1: or... i've been in this thing and i i wanted to stop i care about you but i have to tell you about it. to me i'm like
0: the emotional look, one. they're both nightmares yeah. but
1: but the the emotional one there's something about that that's so again and it, go, it goes back to vanderpump but it's like because all roads lead back to vanderpump <laughs> but i don't know that but but to be clear by the way it's totally within reason for someone and i think I fall under this category of like, well, I don't know. It's within, within reason for someone to be like, both are just end all be all circumstances. Sure. I mean, yeah. But, but the emotional one for me seems impossible to get past. I would never ever be able to, to move. I would just be like, I I don't know. Like there's a certain level of, of premeditation that is required for that Mm -hmm. versus uh, someone sleeping with another person, which is again, not both nightmares, but 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 the emotional aspect.
0: I would agree. The emotional part is is far worse. I mean, sex to me has has definitely changed. I mean, I grew up pretty religious, mm. not cult religious, but Catholic. <laughs> um, sure. And so I dealt with a lot of like shame around sex and and things like that. And I put sex on a pedestal, and now. It's very meaningful, yeah. but yeah, it's not the same as an emotional connection and you're right. The potential betrayals and lies that come with it, you know, and like you said, back with Vanderpump, when you see these moments where Raquel's being called out for this and she's, I think that's where people are just been so fascinated with every time Raquel does one of these, you know, in the moment interviews. When she's talking about doing work on herself and wanting to be a better person. Yeah. And then we're all watching it being, how can you say that yeah. to us? Doubling down, tripling, and, down, and while, while tripling while, down. While doing something 10 times worse than you're even being accused of doing right now.
1: Yeah. That whole thing with, um, uh, who's the guy who had a wife? Oliver. Oliver, where it was the perfect out for her. Like, you've been caught. In in being, you know, the other girl while currently being the other girl secretly, Mm -hmm. get out, go out, be like, you know what, this, I realized how messed up this is that, that for me watching that and knowing like, damn, they kept going.
0: Yeah. Like, why wasn't that a catalyst for change?
1: How did that not, she sat outside that restaurant with Lala and was like, I know what it's like to feel like a mistress now and, and to be also a great line. She has that I had to rewind to make sure I heard it correctly. Was when she's like, I didn't realize like men were capable of deceiving. I, I'm it's obviously you know, this isn't it verbatim, but it was like, I didn't realize men are capable of deceiving women like this. And I'm like, what,
3: <laughs> ma'am? What,
1: whatever, where were you raised? <laughs> Have you never experienced oh. a man like. <laughs> I have such little faith in art and and <laughs> men and I you know, like or just people people I mean, pe- uh, people but but hold on because yes women can do out of pocket stuff too for sure I'm not trying to let them off the hook completely but like growing up around L A and and being a, a youngish man myself and having to do the amount of self work on myself that I've done, I understand how low the bar is. I'm wildly grateful for how low the bar is in some cases. Cause I'm like, I'll go on like a, I'll meet a girl or whatever, like in the past. And, and it's You're doing like, bare minimum shit and, and it's off. like, yeah. pull the chair out for them. And they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. What yeah or open <laughs> the car eyes. door. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or say thank you to a waiter or whatever it is. Like be, Decent to another human being, or like, don't you know, someone bails and you're not like, fuck you, whatever it is. And I'm just like, people do this. So, anyways, the notion that she was like, I finally realized <laughs> that was, that was some
0: serious. Um, yeah, it's wild because I, I disconnect. I, I get how people can compartmentalize certain things, especially if they've experienced trauma in their life. And yeah, they can, for sure. But you're right. Like, it's, it's Raquel's willingness to, like, talks like how is she not connecting the dots between what she's doing well she
1: says an interesting thing too in her one and on, like what whatever they call it, the talking head thing where she said this thing i forget when she said it where she's like i have a hard time i want everyone to like me or she vaguely got introspective or, or briefly got introspective for a moment and said like you know i struggle with you mm-hmm. know people's whatever it is that my relationships and, and wanting people to like me and doing what a, and, and it was just, uh, again, it goes back to this thing where I'm like, ah, you're so close. Like, just bail on this thing. I I, it's so messed up. I, I don't know. It, uh, I, I'm so fascinated at how many outs she had.
0: Also the o- Oliver of it all. Speaking of, yeah. like, people's willingness just to go on TV. Crazy! To get famous. It's my understanding that... W- uh, did Oliver just like agree? It's like his only role on the show is to be the guy who kinda is cheating on his wife, all yeah. while making out with Raquel. I'm glad you said this because what, like, how, why did he come on? I've been thinking about that <laughs> like, ever what's, since. What's
1: His role, okay. I I I, I share the same sentiment. I DM'd I'm like, him.
0: am like, come come on the show and please explain yourself.
1: Yeah, get him on here. Yeah, no, I I I, I watched that, and again, I don't understand. Like I've been invited on to like, I've had various invites to do various things. And like, again, I get it for the people that do it. But for me, I'm just like one of those people that I'm like, I, I don't, I, I know how this goes. You know, I have friends that have been on these shows and I, I know people that have worked on these shows and, and the notion that a producer calls him, and it's, it's not like he's foreign to reality TV. No, no. Garcello's sitting yeah. right there. That's what I'm saying, where I'm like, you've, you've, you know what it is. You yeah. know the process. And they're like, you're going to come in. Because this other thing is, I mean, it's not scripted. It's not set up. But they know the stage. It's, staged. They, know, it's yeah. staged. they know what their role is. And it's like, you're going to be like the... I think they probably sold him on this notion of, of you're the hot guy for an episode. And yeah. girls are going to fight over you. And I like how he attempted to defend himself, too, at that. First of all, the fact that she went there and she was like, I'm going to go talk to him after speaking. to," It's it's so clear he was just he's married, right? Like, he's definitely married. Yeah, like it must
0: be. No, it, it sounds like he's very much married, separated, which is. A gray know, area, yeah. As a very generous a, gray area, it's a very big gray area of which a lot of of people, even listening to this show, have been victims of of men claiming to be separated, but they're not that separated. And Oof.
2: I'm planning on going to the the Vanderpump one in Vegas, so if I see him, I will ask. Get in I will there. get they're the like, answers.
0: Well, it, yeah, but it's just more like, hey, you're just gonna, hey, you're cheating on your wife? <laughs> uh, great, do you want to come on our show and talk
1: about it? it uh, yeah, what the fuck? it's bananas. And then, uh, yeah, the the then I just don't get, where do you go from there? Like, okay, your time in the sun is over. Mm -hmm. And you're like, your friends are you know, because you've got to, people want to know, they hear you're going to, they're like, oh, you did a, you're on Vanderpump for two episodes in the midst of this huge, scandal so people more people are watching and you're like yeah check it out i
3: have a yeah, fun little cameo yeah. like, what do you do He's like, like i have a two episode arc yeah it's, you know. <laughs> what's your arc
1: i fuck some shit up yeah. <laughs> just go in there and fuck some shit up
3: well it seems like because he had admitted to being physically intimate with his wife ex-wife after the hookup with raquel raquel that like maybe they were separated and so he was going at this from like a very like legal loophole standpoint of like technically we're separated but it's like if you're still living co-parenting and like hooking up with uh, your
0: wife you know he's he stays there a lot because they have a kid obviously and i get that he wants to be with his kid but he was he was clearly not giving that amount of detail before no he did anything (laughs) with her no how
1: about when he that moment when she's like did you have sex with her that your wife that Mm -hmm. night he's like no 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 not that night like maybe a couple of nights later yeah. and yeah.
5: you're like morning. oh yeah. got
1: it got yeah, it's it, not like it.
0: he's showing up to whether it's with raquel or anyone else before he like makes out or hooks up with them he's not saying listen i'm in this incredible messy marriage yeah. you know me and my wife were separated but like we're still having sex and i still spent a lot of nights there and like it's just I'm. I'm. We're still working on things, but also technically we're separated. So, like, do you want? To think? Like, yeah, he's not yeah. saying that.
1: Mm-mm.
4: You
0: know, he's no. leading with. I'm. I'm separated from my I'm wife. Separated. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I.
1: I. That was fascinating to me. But that's just. Yeah. It's. it's that's. A whole... it. But that again, to go through that as Raquel and then not bail is mind blowing, on Sandoval.
3: And she even says like, "You're putting me in a really hard position here." Yeah.
1: Lala gives her that speech where she's like, "The guy always gets away." scot-free and you will take the brunt of this and she's like i understand that
3: now
0: and that is cr- true it's that crazy is, that is so true crazy. that like yeah women will scorn their friends yeah they will the the blame almost exclusively goes to the yeah. women and guys because I, most, I think it's because their guy friends are just kind of like, hey, whatever, man, you know, like, yeah, I don't I mean, know I what it is, but they I, usually don't get held accountable.
1: I, I guess this is probably a hopeful outlook, but I do think like in our current climate, like men hopefully are held more accountable. Like, it seems like Sandoval is getting held fairly accountable. Yeah. He's getting raked through the coals yeah. pretty hard. But um it is just the ugh, I, I feel for everyone. I, I, I This is such a lame take, but I do feel bad for everybody involved. In it's okay that. to have empathy
0: okay thank yeah. you thank
1: you well, i know my therapist would say the same thing yeah. right now i'd be like am i people pleasing is this me protecting people i
0: think there's a different i think people struggle with uh the idea of empathy and accountability it's yes. Like you can have empathy and hold someone accountable you can empathy is just trying to understand yeah why someone might make a choice that they did Yes. right we can sit there and discuss whether it's raquel or sandoval I'll be like again like maybe there's some unresolved trauma maybe there's just you know Maybe there's X, Y, and Z things that happen. Does it justify anything they've done? No. Should they still be held accountable? Yes, but we can still empathize. A lack of empathy is why everyone on the internet and the world just says narcissist, you know, rather yeah. than just say, oh, okay, maybe it's a little bit more complex than that. You know, maybe they are dealing with some narcissistic traits or selfishness, but like, are they a malignant narcissist? I if we, fuck yeah. if we know. There's a thin
1: nuance to the difference in this, but there it's that subtle difference of like the internet being like, I've been doing it already, but we can cuss on this show, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. fuck shit. The internet being like, (laughs) being like, fuck you forever. Versus like, fuck you, man. You fucked up. Just that subtle difference of like, total utmost condemnation, which I don't universally believe in. There are certain things where I'm like, that person, you don't come back from that. It's a very sticky area, but it's like, I do believe in a culture where someone like Sandoval, I go like, I'm going to give this guy like years, straight up years. That's where he, what he's earned himself. But like years of where I would want to see that person. If, and this is me in a hypothetical situation as his friend, where I see like demonstrated change, not for cameras, not for publicity, not even for Ariana, like for himself. I'm like, I want to see this guy go do soul searching and Mm. work on himself. And there is a light at the end of that tunnel to me because I think it's uh, otherwise like as humans, you know, you have to believe in bettering ourselves. There are people that are lost permanently and that exists and there's like horrendous people on this planet. But there is, I choose to believe in like hope for some of these people because you don't want to just go like, fuck you forever, man.
0: Totally. Because- The sad reality is Tom Sandoval isn't the only one who cheats. It's a fairly common practice in relationships. Yes. And
1: and I think the problem is, 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 is painting the whole picture where he's also come off very poorly at times where it's like, okay, we wanted to dislike you and you gave us a reason why that's when you really have dug yourself a hole. You know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah. I don't. I I want to believe you know he talked about it on Howie Mandel's podcast he he wants to use this as a catalyst for, uh, for change, I wouldn't bet on it because he's given us he's no not, re- I'm not betting on it right now because he yes he, he's still full of excuses and he still treats the whole situation as kind of like, oops,
1: yeah seeing him roll straight to Coachella too what yeah was,
0: with a with a T Sandy T Sandy outfit I love that you uh, know this yeah
1: um yeah that was. That to me, which is funny because to most people, they're like, whatever. He was just, I'm like, that to me was the biggest marker. Yeah. I'm like, bro. He doesn't. Get your ass. It, I, I, as someone who has heavily employed the help of self-help experts, like you have the money. You have the resources. Go check yourself in somewhere. It's for you, man. Coachella is the last place on earth you should go right now.
3: It's like the opposite of an AA it's meeting. It's literally
1: the opposite. Yeah. It's the quite literally the opposite. <laughs> when I'm healthy, I debate going to Coachella. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I've earned this spiritually. To to, to be at like rock bottom and be like, you know where I need to go right now? The Sahara tent. <laughs> I need to be in VIP of the Sahara tent right now with my name on my shirt. That to me was, I was, was a big red flag. It's, it's- the
0: reddest of yeah. flags.
1: Wait, I want to ask you one thing. Yeah, I don't remember her name, but you had the blonde girl from Love Is Blind on here this week, right? What Micah. Yeah. yeah. Was that crazy? It was. It was no. good.
0: It wasn't that crazy. She was. You could
1: tell. My, I haven't watched the full season. Yeah. I know what happens. You, I, I'm pretty could, sure, but but her watching her.
0: Uh, I'll I will say this was
1: was interesting. It <laughs> yeah.
0: was very the opposite of, of Tom Sandoval. My impression was, and I'd love to you know the ladies to chime in if they have a take, but. She seemed hyper aware of the criticism she received Mm. and she seemed humble and willing enough to, to like, she didn't make a lot of excuses. I mean, she, she, she was careful with her words. You know, I, she, you could tell that she didn't necessarily agree with all of her peers' points of view. Sure. And she had some, um, examples as to what frustrated it about. Uh, some of the things that happened, but at the same time, she—you could tell she was very careful because she realized she definitely stepped in it and and kind of got it, got a little reckless. There was a sense of
1: remorse, you or something, or or at least like a, accountability. I, def, or I, something? I sense some
0: remorse for sure. It remains to be seen, you know, like against with Irina and Micah. Listen, they they gave the appropriate apologies. Sure, do they mean it? I don't know. I don't yeah. know these people. Time well, will only tell say, if that they go- follow through.
1: That goes back to like actions. You got to let yeah. actions speak louder than words. You so gotta, the words start, but then you got to back it up.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Are they smart enough to just recognize that they have to apologize because they really stepped in it, and the only thing to do? I mean, like, not everyone does it. Some some people will still like push back and not yeah. give the apology. So yeah. you know, give them some credit there. But yeah, we'll see. But it was she. She was. Uh, she seemed. Like she definitely understood how it, it came across, how she looked, and she she looked genuinely embarrassed for how people perceive her now.
1: My takeaway watching it, and I, again, I haven't seen the whole season, but I've seen enough, <laughs> which was like, I felt again the empathy thing came up, but but like, there's one scene I was watching where they're like she's in the pool and she's like the and and uh, the guys. Kwami. He's talking to her i'm i'm bad with names and um my, i was like damn they seem first of all so drunk
3: oh yeah we, yeah. everyone has alluded to that day yeah. being that pool party was yeah. rough fucked i up. was like
1: damn they seem so drunk none of this should be on camera and like i don't know it just was so sticky in this gross way where i was like all right it, 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 you know what it did it it actually graduated into this very rare area on reality TV where I don't enjoy watching it. Where I'm like, this feels gross. I don't want to be a part of this. Does that make
0: sense? No, you felt almost uncomfortable. I with, did. Yeah. I
1: did. But but I like feeling uncomfortable sometimes watching it. Like, oh, like the tea, you know. But that one in particular just felt like I was like, damn, this
0: this is not what fun. Would, what felt uncomfortable about it was it well i think felt like, i think there was
1: personal stuff for me like like watching people be super drunk make okay, mistakes where sure. i'm like i don't know if this person struggles with addiction i don't know if this person like is going to rethink their relationship to drugs and alcohol after this that was definitely a part of it and i think the other part was just like i don't know there was a sense of of like giddy attraction uh and ve- which was veiling you could see like it was veiling these insecure i mean the insecurities on i think like kwame where it's like this is a rejected proposal and now this girl is saying like i still care about you and stuff like just the human nature element of that where it's like having to watch that guy go through the spectrum of emotions while probably being drunk while being on camera having never experienced anything like that before i was like i get why this is good tv but this is bumming me out a little bit does that make sense
0: no, it does. I mean, it's your ability to empathize and like having lived, you know, yeah. through some stuff. And it's it, listen, it is complicated. Circling back to how we started this show, you know, as someone who is, um, is sober now, mm-hmm. um, and I've you know, I'm grateful that I've never struggled with something like that. So there's a part of me where it's just like when contestants say it, it's just like, oh well, we were overserved. You know, my experience in that atmosphere is everything's available sure and you have
1: agency in that regard
0: and you know but then the other argument would be like well the stakes are so high and people you know kind of often cope yeah you know by consuming alcohol cuz they're nervous and they've never been more nervous than in this moment where they have no support system they have no friends yeah. no access to their community they don't know who to trust where do, where do you fall on that
1: it's tricky for me cuz it's, it's it's like i'm trying not to like cast a projection onto that circumstance where I'm imagining myself in it, you know, pre sobriety. Now, nowadays, I mean, it would just be easy for me. I would just, I would not be in that circumstance ever, sure. but I know how hard it is to fight, to get to this level of clarity that I, I've gotten to, and I have not gotten to it um, on my own doing. It's like, you have to, you know, turn your life over to a higher power and like trust other people. And listen, I have like people that help me. And so I know how difficult it is um that being said the first step in becoming a rational healthy human being is self-awareness and responsibility for your actions and so it's like when i hear someone be like i was overserved it's a very different statement than like i was put in an environment that wasn't conducive for me and thus i made mistakes yeah. does that make sense yeah, like totally. again very slight Difference. It's nuanced but it's like I was overserved is putting the blame on someone else. You can say, like, hey, this um environment was wildly unhealthy and it brought out the worst in me. That's different. That's very different.
0: Yeah. I I could I completely agree. Yeah. And I think I'll that that subtle difference, but still a huge difference in how people kind of interpret their experience on these types of shows
1: because you can't get ba- you can't get grow as a person until you recognize your part in things yeah. that's the big that's the big thing
3: I was just gonna say I think that's so in talking about why the criticism of the internet can be so counterproductive it's because it's this like mass outcry of hate based off of a limited story and like granted it might be true or that might the cameras were rolling they captured this thing but when you have people judging your character so harshly and so intensely and you know they're seeing something so limited, it and like it kind of validates a defensiveness that can then sure. really get in the way of sure. you being like sorting through it and be like, okay, which of this is on me, which of this is yeah. on other but people. But you
0: you never can win fighting with the internet. No, so that's the biggest. You just have to.
1: That's the if biggest we have one truth. message today, do, not,
4: do like not fight the
0: internet. Yeah, it's, no. And
1: the internet yeah. always wins. Wait, last last question. I'm overtime, but I'm having. No, fun. I mean,
0: I I have um, more questions I could ask you too.
1: But. okay, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened on this podcast?
5: Do you mean
3: like What's informationally, it? Or just like, do you have a moment? You got- <laughs> she He's has something. Peter?
1: <laughs> Come on, <laughs> drop it, please. It Peter? It's
2: just Peter coming in Peter like came three in. drinks in because Peter we left Vanderpump. him out there in the lobby.
1: Really? He, what, what, what was so crazy about it, it? He
2: just like helped himself to the t- liquor cabinet and came in. It was 10 th- in the morning. And he had three.
0: And <laughs> he showed up early and we had Girl Boss down as like our guest co-host and he was kind of coming in for like a... It's a quickie interview, and uh, he came in hot. Yeah, whoa! Um, it was just a bizarre.
1: I wanted to get some like tea from you guys for a
0: second. So this is this is. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Yeah, there. he uh, yeah. he came in. It was like ten in the morning. And he well, he I'm, came
2: in with a white claw, and I and I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, this man feels comfortable. Like he helped day him. of the week, like a Tuesday. Oh my was, god, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Monday or Tuesday it was for Tuesday. sure. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Yeah. And he walked in, and my first instinct was, okay, pop off, like, help yourself to the fridge. I mean, like, whatever. It. I literally was like, you know, it's a tangerine white claw. It's basically mimosa. Like I was trying to make him feel. And he had
0: another white claw. And he was like, "This is my my second one,
2: and I've already had a shot." Yes.
3: (laughs) It was like all of the reveals got progressively more and more unhinged, and we were like, "Oh my god!"
0: (laughs) And um, that is unhinged. Yeah. Oh my. But we were we were grateful for his time.
3: Uh, other than that, I
0: don't know if there's. Oh, I. This is before their time, but I had someone. Uh. Walk out? No way. Yeah. Well, they showed up late. I was pissed. Can you it, name them or no? No, nah, I'm not. But it was like it was a, a, my old producer referred them. Okay. And they came in, and it was one of those things where I felt like there was a lot of there was some ego. I think maybe even on both of our parts. Mm. But like I was excited to have them. I don't know that I'm also like a little like aloof and in, in my thoughts. And when I'm prepping for an interview, I'm kind of thinking about what I want to talk about. So yeah, I, I've had to work on being like, hey, you know, like to greet my guests probably sure. a little bit better they were like hey you know and we like we like to have at least we, we record long episodes as you know or yeah and uh yeah. and we like at least an hour you know sure um and so they showed up 30 minutes late and then we're like oh we have a so like i had 20 minutes
1: oh God. and so
0: they walked in i was like well let's get going and and i was like pretty curt about like let's just start because we're limited on time yeah. and they are like uh I don't feel welcome here, and just like I should just leave, and they just got up and peaced out, and uh, that was wild.
1: I don't feel welcome here anymore, yeah. <laughs> Johnny leaves. Uh, I'm out
0: after two hours. Yeah, <laughs> they very much were acting like they were doing me a favor, and yeah. I and I was just like, that's not cool. you're not helped like you're. I can't do my show. You know, you're like you're me- kind
3: of bad at favors. If this is yeah. <laughs> yeah. your best go so at
0: it, that, there was that. Um, other than that, it's not too crazy. That's
1: pretty good.
3: Those we try two, to
0: have pretty good. We answers. try to create a, an environment where people have fun and, and and yeah, you know.
1: I I'm I'm trying to think about like, uh, what I could do. That's like a fake moment right now, where it's like, a, you know. <sighs> get out of here we
0: could we, we could fake it then we can use that as our, our trailer <laughs> so, yes <yeah>. so
1: clickbaity <laughs> yeah fuck
0: this yeah it's uh, so like
1: dun dun dun. i'm like i can't believe you'd ask me that <laughs> uh
0: i have one more question for you before yeah. we let you go we you know this is a relationship at dating podcast as well as pop culture we like to talk about all kinds of relationships both traditional and untraditional but right before you came in we were looking up your dating yeah history and it A recent article said you have a girlfriend, but you're in an open relationship incorrect incorrect. Okay. Wanted to clear the air (laughs) here.
1: Yes Um, I'm not super public about my I mean, I'm not super public about most aspects of my life that I don't want to be out there Like I talk about sobriety a lot. That's typically a very personal thing but I do that on purpose because I know that for me as a young person It was super helpful meeting other young people because I thought like oh my life as I know it is over fun is over so I want that's on that's intentional. The relationship stuff I keep private because I haven't had a lot of privacy in my life, and and that's not been by my own doing. And I think that's the side of being a quote unquote nepo baby that people don't think about. And I'm not like asking or vying for sympathy in that regard. But no, but that is important. I so mean- the things that I can somewhat protect, I I do. And so like people are always going to read into like this person hasn't posted this on Instagram in a while or like this person's like, and it's all, you know, I'm happy for people to read tea leaves, but, um, now i am not, nor have I ever been in an open relationship. Okay. Um, I, I admire people that can do that. I, I think that would maybe
0: break Well, my brain. in our earlier conversation, I was like, there's just no way he is because of your response to that comment. W- which comment? When you were asking us about the cheating.
1: Oh yeah. No, I'm not. No, yeah. no, 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 no I, 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 again, I, not that Mad open relationship is not cheating, but there's enough.
0: a yeah. there's a level of being okay with your partner connecting with other people in different ways sure. that other people don't have the bandwidth sure. to do. Um, yes,
1: props to yeah. those people, but not I am not one of them.
0: Uh, Johnny, this has been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed talking with you so much. We could go on and on. You're welcome back anytime. I'm, I'm back. sure we will <laughs> recap. Uh, do you ever watch The Bachelor?
1: I have before, I, I think I've seen episodes from your season okay. and then I had a f- friend who went on it. So I watched her season. She like almost, uh, who, who was the friend Hannah Ann. Oh, you know, Hannah Ann. Yeah. Love Hannah Ann. She's the sweetest. She's great. But that was crazy. Cause I was just like one person. Then it was
4: oh, the yeah. person. Peter was she had the shortest the
0: engagement in Bachelorette Nation history, I think. I
1: think so. Yeah. yeah. But she's living her best she's life. She's living now. her best life. She's crushing um, it. I mean, but so I've seen, Hannah I've Hannah seen the um,
0: episodes. Well, if you ever get into watching a season, come back on and recap with us. I'll do
1: it. I'll do it just to come
0: back, All right, bro. Great. Um, Thirsty.
1: No, I'm kidding.
0: Please <laughs> let uh, my audience know. Obviously, you have uh, your show Unstable out on yeah. Netflix. It's a great show. Uh, I'm. I think I'm three episodes in. Super entertaining. A lot of fun. Uh, also, just anything else you're working on, or where can people follow you? Yeah,
1: of course. Um, watch which camera should I look into? Sure. Right here. Yeah. All right, ready for this? I'm gonna stare into your viewers and listeners' souls. Um, No, Uh, please, yeah, go check out Unstable. It's streaming on Netflix right now, and it's a quick binge. It's uh, eight episodes, half hour. And uh, my social, I'm like, I think I'm like Johnny Lowe on Instagram. Uh, You do not have to go engage with me on socials, though. Social media scares me. Um, It's fine. Go follow (laughs) them. And uh, yeah, watch the show. And if you like the show, uh, let me know. I don't have anything else to plug, man. I'm not that prolific.
4: Okay.
3: Might we look forward to a season two?
1: Yeah. So that isn't, you know, I, I'm I'm not allowed to talk about it too much. But are you um, optimistic? I am optimistic. Okay. you are um, optimistic. But uh, yes. If you like the show, finish it and keep watching, and um, and uh,
0: maybe you'll get to see some more. That's amazing. Uh, thanks again for coming, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening. As always, don't forget we have Barbara Corcoran Thursday on an episode of Going Deeper Thursday night. Another episode of Better Date Than Never, and we'll be talking some, you know, something
3: it, raunchy. It's,
0: well, now we call it Fuck Club. So you whoa, know, now
3: <laughs> what?
0: Fuck!
1: It's
3: Club? a live dating yeah. show that so like, is basically turned
0: show? into a live group chat of people swapping wild sex stories best practices. <laughs> we have a doctor on who's a regular guest. It's, it's a lot of fun. We talk sex toys. We talk all different. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But make sure to tune in to that. As always, we have Vile Files Plus available for you. Uh, we have a bunch of updates. And don't forget another update special on Vile Files Classic this Friday for everyone to listen to. So be sure to check that out. Other than that, we'll see you back on Thursday.